Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Morning, all lines open at one 106 Fast look at the newspapers this morning. One story that won't make the papers is uh, last night's debate between Biden and Trump. Um, it looked like two cartoon characters chasing themselves, chasing each other around Yosemite Park or Yosemite Park, like something from a Looney Tunes movie. Not my words, but some correspondent who said that on Sky this morning. It was just a big shouting match, but I'll come back to that later on this morning. But what does dominate, of course, is both Cork and Galway uh, with regards to students and freshers parties. I will be coming back to this as well this morning because I had a drive around the city and college road myself last night. It was very, very wet. It may have dampened the movement of quite an amount of students from A to B, but... I'll leave it at that for now and I'll tell you what I saw or indeed more to the point what I didn't see. So Freshers Party Fears, front page of the Echo today. Serious concerns voiced. Some people are continuing to gather and attend house parties in Cork despite the public health advice. The guards confirmed to the Echo yesterday that they had five call-outs in relation to house parties in Cork City on Monday night. I wonder were they five different house parties. The Mirror this morning says boozy students face uni boot. (laughs) Uni boot. Uh, party-loving students who break guidelines have been warned they face being kicked out of college. Of course, we knew that about Cork uh, since Monday, because John Halloran, the interim president of UCC, said it. But NUI Galway now is saying the same thing. Son this morning says, students party uh, like it's COVID-1999. Uh, partying students face being booted out of college, so both the red tops uh, with the same type of front-page story. The echo, this, the echo this morning, in a nice little sidebar, tells us Corkonians exactly what it would mean if we went to level three. We'd be like Dublin and we'd be like Donegal. So they have a, a, an interesting breakdown of what level three might mean. Neff me tomorrow, and if they decide that Cork, say, for instance, goes into level three, the chances are they'll do it the day after, which will be a bummer, really, for anybody who's bought stock in for restaurants, uh, hotels and pubs that serve food and stuff like that. But again, that's something I'll come back to. Uh, you, you know, if you're in level three in Dublin, you need to stay in Dublin. So I don't really understand why people got so annoyed when uh, Carlingford County Louth Village Hotel, Pub and Restaurant uh, refused to serve um, a couple with uh, an air code for Dublin. So uh, members of the family then apparently took to TripAdvisor and online and berated and got very angry with the hotel. Owner then had to come out and defend the decision not to serve the diners with the Dublin air code after receiving a backlash, as you, as you do. This is what happens online. Um, family said that their parents were humiliated to be denied service in front of all of those people. They called the hotel a den of ignorance. But nobody asked the question, what were they doing in County Louth in the first place, them with the Dublin address. Um, the upside to COVID is that burglaries have halved and robberies have fallen by a third, according to the Mirror. But the latest stats that have been released by the super people at the Central Statistics Office unfortunately show that there has been a rise in domestic violence. Uh, and they are talking about uh, not just physical verbal and emotional abuse as well. So that's on the up with people who've been uh, hunkering down for the past six months and also a particularly worrying increase in attacks against elderly women. Um, 
may well come back to that over the next day or two, but that's the latest result coming out from the, the CSO. Uh, of course, the budget is just around the corner, and somebody mentioned on the air on Monday that the Christmas bonus was not going to be paid out. Well, the examiner this morning has a breakdown on the budget and the different things that we can expect. What we can't, what we won't expect is the 350 rate of pop to go back up to 350. That's not going to happen. Uh, they're not going to get involved in any of that kind of, uh, uh, I suppose, auction politics which is unfortunate, really, because those that needed most were hit the hardest yet again. Um, but just interestingly, on the point of the Christmas bonus, the Christmas bonus is 100% of the recipient's normal weekly social welfare payment paid at Christmas time. Um, now, they are saying in the examiner this morning that it hasn't been provided for, but that it will be paid. So that's slightly worrying. Of course, on Monday, somebody said to me, it's not going to be paid uh, but it looks as if um, there's still a chance there will. I just worry when I hear things like not provided for, but it will be paid. Um, so we must remember that if there's any kind of, uh, uh, you know, tricky business going forward. Papers also talk of a very, very sad event down in West Cork, and that's a story from The Echo. Um, a blaze in Skibbereen, four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Beautiful building, a former sister, Sisters of Mercy convent. Uh, fire ripped through it. Uh, and destroyed the building. Thankfully, nobody was injured at the time. And from the Cork courts, some fellow lost the run of it. Uh, he's had his he's had his case um, adjourned for sentencing until December. Uh, the judge only called her once a probation report. Apparently, some character ran onto the pitch. Um, it was a match that took place at St Mary's Soccer Club in Kilkenny. Ran onto the pitch apparently and called the referee an effing dog. He also said that he was going to go to say a prayer at a nearby cemetery and he invited the ref to join him. He got fairly hot under the collar, I suppose, in some of the decisions the ref was making. But you can't be doing that. Uh, and it made court court yesterday. Papers also picked up on our Barney, the swearing dinosaur from yesterday's program. And the Red Tops have a lot of fun with that. Um, they used the term potty mouth. You know, Lana was talking there about words that aren't being used anymore. That's another very old-fashioned word used for people who have um, uh, maybe a colourful tongue. They have a potty mouth. And Christmas dominates many of the papers. Just one or two here. Christmas presents. Um, apparently, uh, savvy shoppers have already begun buying bits and bobs for Christmas because they don't want to be left in the rush in December when everything's gone. And there'll be too many people literally milling around. And I guess that would be dangerous. They call it um, COVID crush. Uh, but COVID can't crush the festive spirit because apparently one in seven people, you know, research has already started uh, Christmas shopping. And they're probably the smart ones, to be honest. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lots to do. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. And somebody that I'm anxious to talk to quickly because she's freed up her schedule this morning is Dr. Nula O'Connor. She's a Cork GP. She's clinical lead in the COVID-19 for the Irish College of General Practitioners and a practitioner here on Lisa. And she joins me by phone. Nula, good morning. Good morning. What are the likelihoods that Neffet will decide tomorrow to put Cork into level three, perhaps on Friday? Uh, I think there's probably a reasonable chance, Neil. But uh, when you look at the figures, Cork actually has uh, lower than the, the national average in terms of cases. The thing about Cork, it's just that we've had a really rapid rise in cases. So uh, there in you know um, May, June, July, August, um, there were hardly any positive cases in Cork. Uh, and it's really uh, only in the last two to three weeks that as GPs, we've actually seen positive cases coming in. And could I just, can I just stop you on that? Because that's a fantastic point. Because just before I went on holidays, I posted a tweet from... Um, 
uh, a medic in Dublin was saying, what is Cork doing that is so right that everybody else can't follow? Do you recall that? I do, yeah. absolutely. So what absolutely. happened? Uh, people's behaviours. It's, it, it's very simple, Neil. Um, this virus loves when people get together. That's how it passes on. So uh, if you have this virus, if you get this virus, this virus then starts a battle inside you. you it's, it's, you're trying to kill it. It's trying to get in and attack you, hopefully not kill you. And during that time that it's inside in you, the only way it can live on is if it, ha- if it can jump across to another person. And the way it does that is if you spend too much time in close contact within two metres, particularly in an indoor, poorly ventilated, crowded space with other people. It's as simple as that. So we have to avoid those crowded spaces. We have to avoid spending uh, too much close time with lots of people. We can have our social bubble. We can decide who are our people, who are the important people for us. Um, and we, but we need to restrict our socialising to those uh, those people are face to face socialising. We can go back to Zoom and online and, and everything like that. But it's as simple as that. It's maintaining that distance, wearing those masks, washing your hands. Um, so it was when the public guidelines. Yeah. So it was when the wet pubs opened. Is it? No. It started before that. Did it? And it started long before that. And I think it's really important. It doesn't matter where the behaviour occurs, be it in a restaurant, in a pub, on the street, or behind closed doors in a private house, because we know that the vast majority of the cases in court, the community cases in court, actually arose because of gatherings in private households. And it's not, and I know it's the students with the headlines at the moment, um, and, uh, but there's been lots of communions, confirmations, retirement parties, 30s, 40s, family gatherings. How many people listening out there today can hand on heart say, I've only attended, attended events where there were only six people from three households in the last three or four weeks. So complacency set in. Is that because of the fact that we're in this nearly six months now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody's tired of COVID. I'm tired of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I would love if this was over. But the problem is the virus hasn't changed. The virus is every bit as deadly as it was back in March and April. Um, uh, but it's very, very difficult. We've all been living with this. Um, the restrictions um, have been hard and people would love if it was over. I would love if it was over, but it isn't. And the, 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 what, what we need to realise as a country is that uh, if we don't want to go back to more severe restrictions, do you remember when you, know, you could only walk two kilometres, right. you could have no one to your house, you could, the, the gyms weren't open, no sports were going on, we couldn't go to the hairdressers, yeah. all very important things. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to go back to that, and we don't need to. But level three won't mean all of that, sure it won't. No, it, no, it won't, but, but it, it just, level three could be a stepping stone to other levels, okay? Um, what, what, we, we don't need to actually to go to level three in, in, the, in this country. We can, we can stay at level two, provided everybody gets back on board in the way that they, they did uh, at the start because it's the actions of every single person. It's all of those grouped together is what gets the numbers back down. So I think it's back about getting that community spirit, that community solidarity going, uh, all out there to help each other, 
to so that we can keep the economy going, keep the schools open, keep the creches open, keep um, uh, protect our medically vulnerable people, keep as many businesses, be they wet pubs, uh, pubs that serve restaurants, pubs that serve fruit, whatever the business is. The only way that we're going to be able to keep our economy going um, is by keeping the numbers down, which we can do. But level three would mean, say, for instance, on the one hand, that pubs would not be allowed to serve alcohol indoors. Possibly restaurants could only serve food outdoors. Am I right? Um, But at the same time, gyms would remain open. Farmers markets would remain open. Off licenses that serve alcohol would remain open. And pubs that have, um, sorry, supermarkets that have uh, alcohol aisles would remain open. Isn't that right? Yes. So it's rather contradictory, isn't it? Well, no. Well, it depends what way you look at it. Because to come back to my earlier point, it all depends on people's personal behaviours. So we can't restrict. um, You know, we can we can suggest what people should do uh, behind closed doors in their own homes, but we can't enforce that at at, at the moment. um, You know, it's in in things like pubs and restaurants is where uh, our government has has the option to. To enforce certain things, so it, it all comes down to, to at the end of the day, people behaving responsibly and people adhering to the, the simple public health measures that are going to allow us all to retain the freedoms that we have. Okay, okay. Um, there has been a lot of criticism of of students and, and Freshers' Week and house parties and the issues like that. I know it was raining last night, but uh, I drove through the city between half ten and quarter past eleven. It was all around Washington Street. It was Oliver Plunkett Street. It was outside the pubs that students love. I drove up College Road. I drove up all of the different roads off UCC. Um, And I have to say, it was very, very quiet. Uh, Many of the pubs had their doors closed even at half past ten. I only passed in 45 minutes one house where I actually saw a house party going on. I saw a taxi uh, delivering what could have been hot food or it could have been boxes of, of alcohol. I, I, I have no idea which. Uh, but it was very quiet. Now, that could have been weather-related. I'm just wondering, are, are students getting a bad rap? Well, I think that you know, the behaviour that we saw uh, uh, um, on, on, on social media um, by, by groups of students uh, was very disappointing. But we must remember, I think it's about 20,000 students there are in UCC. So we're talking about bad behaviour probably on several hundred students. It's not thousands of students. Yeah. So I think what we need to do is I think we need to engage with those people. The the students unit, and they are engaging with them, the students union are engaging with them, the college authorities are engaging with them, their peers engaging with them and, and, and encouraging them and, and trying to get them to see that their behaviour is going to affect everybody's freedoms. And, and also to remember that if they pick up the virus, they can bring it to home to their families, to their loved ones, maybe their granny or granddad. There are lots of, of young people out there who are susceptible to the more severe forms of this virus. There, there are young people who have chronic medical conditions, whose immune systems are suppressed. So they could be transmitting this to one of their own peers. This virus, I mean, I think sometimes out there people think, oh, it's a virus that only kills old people. It doesn't. This virus has killed people across all ages. And we heard... Uh, but the fast... I'm not taking from people. I'm not being ageist or anything. But like Paddy says here, I would rather die living a life than live a life that is a living death. COVID is no worse than other viruses and diseases that are already out there, full stop. 
Well, it, 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 that's his personal opinion. Yeah. He's entitled to his personal opinion. But uh, we all have responsibility as as, as citizens uh, to to protect those around us. And uh, we do know that this is actually uh, quite a deadly virus. Currently, there's one. We've passed the one million parts in deaths worldwide, and it's expected that we're going to reach the two million mark. Mm. So the other thing about this virus is, which is different, is that even though on the surface of it, you think the virus has a relatively mild course in you for maybe two weeks for a lot of people. What's emerging, because with any new infection, it probably takes about two years, two to three years before we really know and the full effects of it. And so what we're seeing is this, what they call this long tail COVID. So we're seeing that COVID can have permanent damage to your lungs, to your heart, to your brain. Um, and, and this is happening in, in across all age groups. This is not just older people. It, it may be killing older people, but it is causing serious damage to a small but definite cohort of young people. Mm, they need lots and lots of rehab and time, don't they? Yes, and we don't know whether they will fully recover, fully recover or not. Um, the issue, I suppose, looking forward has to do with hospital beds and more importantly, ICU beds, doesn't it? Um, that if this well, catches hold again, we'll yeah, be swamped. Uh, yeah, well, the thing about it is, what we know about this virus now is we actually know better how to treat people who have, treat people who have the more severe forms and so therefore we can save more lives. I was asked that question yesterday. I was asked to ask a medic, how are we treating people differently now that test positive than we were, say, in March and April? Okay, um, so a couple of things. We know that this virus uh, tends to cause your 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 blood vessels to clot and thrombose, so that can, you can have a stroke uh, with it. So everyone who's admitted to hospital now is put on um, uh, injections to actually reduce the risk of them clotting. Okay, so that saves some lives. The second thing is that we're not ventilating quite as many people. We're, we're putting people lying on their stomachs, and it's the way we administer the oxygen and the way that we nurse them is having an effect. And the third uh, thing that we're doing is we're using um, a steroids, a particular form of steroids when they get to a certain point, which reduces the inflammation in the lungs. And then the fourth thing is there is a, a particular type of antiviral drug which is showing some promise um, in some of these more severe cases. Okay. So we know we can save more lives, but we can only save those lives if we have access yeah. to the type of intensive care medicine that one needs. So that's why we have to keep the numbers down because we have a limited number of those intensive care beds. So you want, you know, if you are, you know, 50 years of age and you're having a severe course, you want to have that ICU bed available to you. Yes, yes. It's that, it's that we don't get overwhelmed. You, you, you were saying in, in, in some of your correspondence that people are confused. Um, are they confused about the, the level we're in? I mean, they can't be confused about hand washing wearing masks and keeping their distance. So what are they confused about? Are they confused about if they have symptoms, is it? Yeah, well, I think it's what the advice is to do if you have symptoms. And the other one is the the advice for your house. And the other one is the advice if you're a a close contact. So if I could just take you through, just I I pretend that you're the patient, Neil. Okay, go ahead. So so I'm the GP, you're the patient. So Neil, you ring me up and you say, Neil, I have a very high temperature and I have a cough. And I say, okay, Neil, Sounds like you might have COVID. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to refer you for a test, but you must restrict your movements and everybody in your house must restrict their movements too. So what does restrict mean? That means you stay at home. No one goes to school. No one goes to crash. No one goes to college. No one goes to work in your house. 
Nobody goes to the shops. Nobody comes and visits your house. You stay at home until such time as we get the result of that test. If now, the, yeah, well, just on that, what about the people that I've been working with and close contact with? No, at the moment, because you'll just have symptoms. Okay. The people you're working with aren't in it. Okay. Now, we, at, at the moment, the positivity rate is still only like 2.7%. Okay, so it's still most likely that you don't have COVID. So two things could happen. One, I'm going to ring you and I'm going to say, Neil, good news, you don't have COVID. That's what happens then is you still stay at home, but the rest of your family can go about their business and you stay at home until 48 hours after you start to feel better as we lose any infection. Right. So that's, that's you don't have COVID. Okay. So that's one message. 48 hours so with a negative te- result. Negative, yeah. negative test and a waiting for your symptoms. The second scenario that could happen is I say, Neil, you have COVID. Right. Okay? okay. So you're now positive. Um, so obviously we deal with your medical symptoms and, and, and all of that and hopefully you'd have the mild course. But what yeah, but just on that, so family? I now have COVID. Yeah. What happens with me now? Where do I go? You stay at home. Right. Do I get medication or do I just wear just... No, you, you flu, you rest, as we would do with any other viral infection. Rest, fluids, paracetamol or um, ibuprofen. And we get you to watch out for certain symptoms to tell you what, what might likely to happen to you. And one thing we want you to really watch out for is if you start to feel like really, really short of breath. Okay. Because it's, uh, particularly in, on, in the second week of the illness, if people start to get really, really short of breath, that can be a sign that they're turning towards that worse form of COVID. But again, vast majority of people will recover within two weeks. But this is the important part then, what happens to your house? So the rest of your household contacts are now what they call close contacts. But also some of the people that you work with or that you went to a restaurant with or you were in the gym with or whatever in the couple of days before you got sick, they will be, public health will start con- con- will start contacting everybody. You will give them some names that you can remember. If you have the COVID tracker app, which is really important that people get the COVID track app, it will actually help to remind because it will say, oh, it'll ping with the people that were in close contact with you that maybe you didn't know, so you're out in a, in a public space. Um, then public health will label all those people as a close contact. So the close contact means they've, you've, they've been exposed to the virus and the virus could be growing inside them and they don't know it. They have no symptoms. They're feeling perfectly well. But if you're identified as a close contact, you must restrict your movements. That means you stay at home. You don't go to work. You don't go to school. You don't go to crash. You don't go to the shop. You don't have visitors into your house. You stay at home. And this is the point people are missing. You stay at home for 14 days. You will be scheduled for tests. It doesn't matter if you have a negative test for 14 days in a row. You still stay at home for 14 days because it can take up to 14 days before we know for definite you have not grown that virus inside you. Mm. So people are, aren't getting that point. And what's happening is then they're going out and about and then that's how you see the case that um, uh, Dr. Roman Glynn uh, showed on the TV the other night where he showed how one person infected 56 other people because they, they, they didn't quite understand the advice when they were identified, as when they, when they were waiting for their test, when their test was positive, and their contacts didn't quite understand what they were meant to do. That's the confusion you're talking of then. I mean, yes. you cleared up a lot of confusion. But if somebody is in close contact with somebody who tested positive and they've been contacted, they need to isolate for 10 days. They need, no, they need to restrict their movements for 14 days. I know it's, it's it, listen, it's, you know, I think, look, when it, I'm 10 it, days it, and they're 14 days. What? Yes, like, what, yes what? because we know once you have the virus, 
we know now that it takes about, for most people, after about 10 days, you're no longer infected. Okay, because I'm, I'm along the road with it. There, yeah, I understand. Exactly. Okay. Along, at an earlier stage in it. But it is, what does restrict movements mean then for other people? So, so restrict movements means you stay at home, but you can move freely around your house. And, and you don't go out, you don't go to the shops, don't have visitors in. Self-isolate means you actually have symptoms, you actually have the virus. So therefore, you basically you go to your room and you stay in your room and you really maintain distance from everyone in your house. They bring your meals to your room. And so you, so it, it's sort of a, a, a stricter form of Gotcha. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, again, uh, yesterday with 363 cases, uh, we had one death, unfortunately, and 40 of those cases were, were in Cork. That may not seem like much to people, but if you look at the graph, say, from um, you know early March, uh, across April, where it peaked between April and May, and then it almost disappeared in July. But it's creeping up again now, and you can see it on that graph. It's steadily increasing. And the idea is to try and stop that increase, to kill it off fast, as jaded as and, and as tired as people are of this, yeah? What will, what, what will level three, what will it look like? I mean, we'll know that bars, cafes and restaurants, hotel restaurants and wet pubs would be They'd be open, but with restrictions. They would, yeah. I mean, what it would mean uh, uh, really is that, so say in, you could go to the gym on your own, but you couldn't go to any classes. Uh, you can have um, uh, uh, people into your house, but it's only from, from one household. You would be able to order takeout, or if a restaurant could serve outdoors, you, you could eat outdoors, but not indoors. Uh, so there's fine detail in it and on the levels. And go, the Weddings would be 25, wouldn't they? Yeah, the gov.ie website um, is the best way to look up the level three and there's some lovely infographics um, there as well of the different levels. Home visits will be restricted to no more than six people from one other household, that kind of thing. Yes. People at level three would be encouraged to, if at all possible, to work from home again if they have gone back into the office or back into work. Uh, no yeah. social or family gatherings should take place in settings outside the home. W- what does that mean? Like no, no get-togethers um, in in a restaurant, is it, or stuff like that? Yeah, Which, that's what what it means. Um, essentially, it, it, it's all about uh, the, the levels are there all to um, yeah. restrict places where people gather together because we know the virus loves when people get okay. together. That's how it spreads. Okay, and and do you think that it's inevitable that that will be announced yesterday, tomorrow? I mean. <laughs> Inevitable. Um, nothing is inevitable until Neffet have made their. So Neffet make their. They have their meeting tomorrow. They make their their recommendations. So their recommendations go to cabinet, and it's ultimately cabinet decides whether or not they're going to implement the recommendations. Well, what do you think? You think it's likely? I think there's a reasonable chance, but until they make the decision, we don't know. And as I say, our, our it's our it's that our numbers are rising. Um, or even though our, the national, we're below the national average but you know every day's numbers make a difference so what the numbers are today and the numbers are tomorrow will influence that decision and that's based on how people behaved uh, 7 to 10 days ago so okay. hopefully hopefully the people of Cork got the message and they went back to doing what they were doing earlier on in the year which is how we kept the numbers down in the first place Okay, well let you get on, thanks so much Nula appreciate you taking the call, covered a lot of ground Dr Nula O'Connor, Cork GP, clinical lead with COVID-19 for the Irish College of General Practitioners. Text 0868 I think it was, impos- it was important to recap on all of that and maybe it just reminded us of things we may have forgotten or cleared up some confusion. Uh, certainly it answered the question that was asked on air Monday morning. What are medics doing now? What are hospitals doing now? How are they treating people differently than, say, they were with COVID 
back in uh, April and May. Lines open at 1850 back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. I know everybody doesn't agree with the COVID narrative and I've seen this again this morning now with more texts coming in from people who uh, have differing and varying opinions. But if nothing else in that conversation, we certainly are clearer as to, you know, how somebody should react if they test positive or indeed if they have symptoms. I mention that because there's been texts this morning saying that some of the people who were present at some of the marquee communion parties have already presented themselves in Cork hospitals yesterday showing COVID symptoms. Uh, They say these people now won't isolate if they are found to be positive. Uh, One law for them and one law for us. Uh, Incidentally, fair play, P.S., fair play to Ken O'Flynn for speaking out. Another one here, bars will be open, uh, kids packed into schools, but sports for kids will be banned. Where's the logic in that? Well, they are open now, but it would be entirely different come Friday if we move to level three. Um, Lines are open, 1850-104-106. I'll come back to all of that, but uh, I know the time will run away from me. And last night at two o'clock in the morning, you had the first of... Is it like three debates? I think there's another two between Biden and Trump. I don't know what they've left... Uh, to talk about after last night, I mean, it was just like a, a shouting match. Uh, somebody described it as like a couple of cartoon characters chasing themselves around. Um, but I know that Joe Biden has been taking swipes at Donald Trump and the amount of tax that he's paid. But it's an interesting story in the mail this morning saying that Joe Biden uh, paid and uh, they break down not just his, but his wife's earnings. Uh, he just earned under a hundred, just under a million dollars in the last tax year of which he paid 300,000 euro uh, in ta- 300,000 dollars in tax the tax rate there is 31% i mean wouldn't that be a great country they have a tax rate of 31% wow uh, but he's saying that's the tax he paid 300 grand while um donald trump paid 750 dollars See, I didn't say $1,750 in federal income tax in the same year. That was the year that he was elected. And that was the comparison between the two. And that came up last night. But what I found really very interesting was the amount of money. Like Trump's empire had been losing tens, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, down through the years. Um, and then all of a sudden he started doing the U.S. version of The Apprentice. And he he earned $427 million hosting the US version of The Apprentice. Just doing what comes naturally to him. There's like nearly half a billion hosting The Apprentice. Not to mention the amount of endorsements that he's gotten. For a guy who supposedly doesn't drink, he's got a fair old range of alcohol, including whiskeys and beers and stuff with his name on it. But anyway, this is um, just a couple of minutes from the presidential debate last night because who'd stay up until two in the morning? So we've edited together some of the highlights for you. I beat Bernie Sanders. Not by I'm, much. I beat him a whole hell of a lot. I'm here, I'm here standing facing Pocahontas you, Pocahontas would have left well, two days I'd early. You would have lost every primary All he knows how to do Super is hurt. Tuesday. You got Look, very lucky. Here's the deal. I got very lucky. I'm going to get very lucky tonight as well. And tonight I'm going to make sure because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just agree. want to make sure. Joe, you're the liar. I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, I, I, not first in your I, class. <laughs> I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd be you know, surprised. You, you pick You'd be surprised. the Go wrong ahead, guy, the wrong Go night at the wrong time. Listen, you agreed with Here's Bernie Sanders to the manifesto. The whole idea. Let, let him, there is no manifesto, number Please one. Please let him speak, Mr. President. Number two. You just lost the left. Number two. I, I, you just lost the left. 
You agreed with Bernie Sanders on a plan. How, uh, folks, absolutely folks, agreed do you have any idea what this clown's doing? They call it Mr. Medicare. You have any do? Socialized medicine. Mr. President. Let people know. He doesn't want You're to answer senator. the question. I'm not going to answer the question. Why because, would you answer that because question? Because the you question is, the question is, radical left. Will you who shut is up, on, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? Gentlemen, this is, I think this we've is ended so this. Unprecedented. Court. We have so ended, we're not going to give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on. A lot of people died. And a lot more are going to die unless he gets a lot smarter, a lot quicker. So, Mr. President? Did you use the word smart? Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to see. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a break. Because you know what? There's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done nothing. Let's have this debate. And if you would have had, let me just tell you something, Joe. If you would have had the charge of what I was put through, I had to close the greatest economy in the history of our country. And by the way, now it's being built again. You see, he's going going to get to the economy in the next segment, sir. Okay. Oh, Mr. President, I'm asking you a question. Will you tell us how much you paid in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017. Millions of dollars. You paid millions of dollars? Millions of dollars. So not 700 Millions of dollars. And you'll get to see it. He says he's smart because he can take advantage of the tax code. And he does take advantage of the tax code. That's why I'm going to eliminate the Trump tax cuts. But why didn't you do it over the last 25 years? Because you you weren't president screwing things up. You were a senator. You're the worst president America has ever had. Let me just tell you, Joe. I've done more in... In 47 months, I've done more than you've done in 47 years, Joe. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I would say say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. So what are you you, you saying? I'm I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a name. White supremacists and right right boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right wing problem. His this own is a left wing. This said is a left wing problem. White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not kidding. malicious. That's what oh, his it's an idea. FBI, his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, thank you and good night. <laughs> that was the first one. Um, liar. You came last in your class. Shut up, man. That man's a clown. You're not smart. Uh, and there's two more of those. I mean, it's bound to get worse, isn't it? Um, and somebody was then asking who won, who lost. Somebody said that Biden won 48 percent. People said Biden won. 41 percent said Trump won. I think the big loser here actually was probably the American public. But that was just a snippet of what went on last night. And there's two more, there, two more of those to come. Uh, lines open 1850-104-106. With regards to freshers, and I told you about my trip out last night. It was very wet, so I'm not so sure whether many people have been moving around in all of that rain. Um, anyway, I couldn't believe what I saw with the crowds on Monday. People were falling around the street. Are we a country of clowns or what? Or we're the only country in the world in the height of a worldwide pandemic where people are dying. And then there's people worried about alcohol and bars. There's been a million deaths from this virus. 
Have people no respect for others? It's all a complete joke. And then Joseph says, I can't understand the arrogance of some students. Uh, these people must be from fairly respectable families, but you wouldn't know it by their carry-on. Uh, a lot of the students are away from home, bear in mind, you know. Um, so, uh, three questions. Why are the students' union dictating to the dean of the college? Question two, why hasn't the dean told the students' union that if anything at all goes ahead for freshers, then all of the organizers of the union will be expelled? Uh, And question three, uh, why hasn't the dean met with the guard inspector to arrange for extra visible patrols early in the evenings and late at night to deter the students from partying? I didn't see much partying last night and I certainly didn't see anybody hanging around any of the pubs or outside the pubs or the late bars or whatever trying to trying to queue to get in in fact many of them were very quiet and lots of them had their doors closed but you could still I could still see in the windows of the pubs on say Oliver Plunkett Street I could still see in the windows of the pubs um, and establishments on Washington Street and to be quite honest with you everybody was sitting down at their own tables the whole thing looked fine to me um, the students are all smart with many being high achievers however these guys don't care if they get locked down again with COVID payment. It'll probably be more money than they have uh, earned up in any period of life to date. It's an ideal situation for them to sit at home uh, to study online. These kids don't care about people older than them. Their college journeys can happen later when the college crack, when the COVID crack comes down. Just two more. I can't understand people who are saying let the students have their events. COVID's been hard on them. What a load of rubbish. The fact is online events will be the centrepiece of the parties in Cork. You're talking about hundreds of students in houses. We all had a hard lockdown. I don't think anyone will say it was easy, but it's still no excuse to let the students party. I'm a mature, a mature student and our classes are online, but I know of some students who are in my class have moved to student accommodation when there's been no need to do so. They did it to party with everybody else. And uh, criticism of me, I'm used to that. Stop, Neil, stop defending the students. We're all fed up with their absolute selfish behaviour. It's surely only a matter of time before some poor resident's parent, uh, son or daughter, takes matter into their own hands in the area and then something awful will happen. I know if it was my parents living around the college, I would not have held back. I would have to be held back. Uh, who will be crying them? Well, we did see that with a couple of characters who went into one particular house uh, where female students were living and uh, we, we saw the video that was recorded of that one. Um, okay, you're entitled to criticise me. I'm only trying to keep a bit of balance here. We also have to bear in mind, in spite of COVID-19, um, these are young, young people. Um, and I think if we were all to hold our hand up and say, you know, would we have behaved differently? I don't think all of us would have said we would. That comes with maturity and you've got to bear that in mind as well. Um, I, I think that uh, from what I saw last night, though, in spite of the rain, uh, you know, I have to say I have to commend them. But then again, it was a very wet night. Lines open. Laura's on one. Laura, good morning. Hi there. How's it going? Thank you so much for holding. You were on the Mahan bus going to Claro, is it yesterday? Yeah, the 215 coming okay. through the city centre. Okay, was that like a work bus where you come from work or something? No, I had been to just see my nan for the day and then I was just doing some shopping for her and then I was coming back through town. Then. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Because that, that bus is very busy with a lot of the tech industries and tech companies exactly. that are down that area. Yeah. Okay, exactly. so what happened? Um, so I'd gotten on the bus and didn't really think anything of it. Um, I, as usual, was wearing my mask. Everyone on the bus was wearing a mask. Um, and then on... Patrick Street, there was a guy got on the bus. Um, he looked 
a little bit older. Um, so I decided that I, I said to him, look, do you want my seat? And he said, grand, thanks. So he took my seat and then I ended up standing like next to him. Um, why, why is that? Like, uh, There's just, separation just on buses, isn't there? Yeah, um, no, so I'd, like, it's, the way that it works is, like, I didn't want to stand, like, the only place in the bus that you can stand is, like, where they've got the space for buggies and wheelchairs, and there was already someone standing there, so it was better stand and block the stairs on the bus, because it's a double-decker bus, um, so there wasn't really space for anywhere else to stand. Um, so I ended up standing near the guy, but, like, there was still the blocked seat between him and me. Yeah. Um, and then... He got off the bus by the North Point Business Park um, and I saw him asking the busman for directions and um, the busman told him where to go and then he got off the bus and the busman turned around and said, he's just told me where he's going, he's going to the COVID test centre, so he's just put the whole bus at risk. The bus driver um, said that to all of the passengers on board the bus. Yes, yes. That gentleman has just gone into the testing centre and has put the whole bus at risk. Yeah. How do people react to that? Um, I think it was just kind of like a feeling of shock more than anything. Like I could see like people were kind of like looking around. Um, I like immediately as soon as I heard it, I rang my mum because my mum was coming down to collect me from the bus. Um, and I told her, look, go into the shop straight away, get a mask, um, make sure that you're covered up because I don't drive. So I have to get a lift from the bus stop to my house. Um so I was just kind of, my first immediate reaction was, okay, I need to protect my mum where I can here. There was over, there was people who were oh, in their 60s on the bus. There was a, yeah. a, a, a girl, a down, a down syndrome, a girl with Down syndrome. Uh, you were in hysterics. Were you crying? Yeah, no, I, like, I, wasn't, I wasn't too bad on the bus because I think it was more just like shock and like, I, I, don't, I don't know if survival is the right term, but it was more just, okay, I just need to kind of keep it together, stay on the bus, get off the bus. Um, but then when I got home, I like, I changed my clothes as soon as I got home. I had a shower as soon as I got home and I was just hysterical and inconsolable coming out of the shower because I live, I live with my parents and I was just thinking, oh my goodness, what do I do? Mm. They're in the house with you. Yes, yeah. That's a hard call, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, so I did then kind of like when I calmed down, I rang the HSE helpline and in fairness, the guy on the HSE helpline was very, very helpful. Um, he said that he didn't feel there was a need for me to self-isolate, um, but that I just have to monitor myself for symptoms for the next, you know, 14 days, the general period. Um and just see how it goes. Yeah, that's his opinion. Like, I mean, he can't say with any certainty. He's just exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. think that? Do you think that advice is accurate? I don't know. To be honest, I mean, I I know myself. I will be restricting my own movements. Um, like, it does mean that if I can't, you know, if the HSE hasn't told me that I need to self isolate, I know it means that I I won't. In terms of getting a sick search for work, I won't be able to do that. Um, why so did, I will still, yeah, yeah. Why did a bus yeah. driver allow somebody to get on a bus when there was no seat? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Like I think I like I know just from like looking at the bus in general, I think there's something about in the new like COVID signage that they can it's something about, you know, reduced seating and standing capabilities. Oh, so there I are stand there's still standing allowed. 
I think there is, from what I can see. And are yeah. you are you okay with the with the bus driver imparting that information? There's a guy got on the is going just going to the test centre. He's put the whole bus in risk. Do you think the bus driver should have said that? I don't know. Is the honest answer? Um, like, I mean, in terms of like what the HSE told me, and when they had said I didn't need to self isolate, part of me kind of felt like okay, I've worried for nothing. But then on the other hand, I was kind of thinking, look, if I was someone of compromised health or if I was going home to like, thankfully, my parents aren't over 60. So they're not in like, you know, the the bracket where they're in danger. But at the same time, I would have if I was in that position, I think I would have liked to know. OK, so so, I, so I think it depends on the person. In your case, you were happy the bus driver said it. Uh, did, I was, did yeah. the guy did the guy get on? Did he look sick? No, he didn't. OK. So he was going for he was going for a test. The chances are he doesn't have COVID. You see, you exactly. Don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because that was exactly what the guy on the HSE phone had told me. That like you know, obviously with the cases going up, particularly in Cork, that it's very likely it was just a suspected contact, and it was you know just a precaution that he was being tested first. But I still just kind of felt, you know, like I think from from day one, people have been saying the danger is that the virus can present asymptomatically. That you know you could have it and not know. So. Yeah, but I mean, I, I know, but uh, the chances are there's a, like a 2.8% positive rate per hundred, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's again, it's just... It would, have been an awful lot, it would have been an awful lot more worrying if the seating arrangement had been reversed and he got up and let you sit in his seat. Yeah. Because then he'd, yeah. you, he'd have been, you'd have been touching stuff that he touched, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. No, and like, I, I know and I understand that, but again, it's just the fact that like, you know, when he got off the bus someone else might have sat where he sat Correct. or you know they they can't clean the bus in between so the bus would have turned around and Claro was the terminus and then someone else would That's have sat That's a perfect where he example sat. of how this thing can spread actually isn't it you respect your elders by giving him the seat he sits in it then goes away gets a covid test booth positive everybody else that sat on the seat also runs the risk so, yeah. Exactly yeah 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 Will you let me know um you know, just just stay in touch and let me know how you're feeling and because people would be interested to know whether or not you actually do come down with anything. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. But but that you know, your man's right, it's it's not gonna happen. I mean the chances you wanna be around your man for half an hour and very close to him, you know? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call, Laura. No bother, thank you. Rory says, just texting the show from Madrid, all of my family are from Cork and all I can say is if you're not following the Spanish lead, you should be. Um, the wearing of masks is obligatory everywhere here, including walking down the street outdoors, obviously. We still have the worst COVID case rate in Europe here in Spain. It really is time the conversation moved towards how we can manage the virus in the community and support those who are shielding rather than trying to eradicate the virus as it's not going anywhere. He's talking about protecting those and shielding those who are the most vulnerable. Had to laugh at the ignorance of one of your callers yesterday suggesting the virus was released to kill off old people. I laughed out loud when she said all of this. She's read it all on the internet. I have work colleagues in China and they do believe it came from a lab in Wuhan, but they don't believe it was intentionally released. To suggest this pandemic was made on purpose is just madness. Um, I can never understand. I can never understand how people say that if someone has an underlying health condition, then COVID is not responsible for their death. If you have cancer, oh, I read this out yesterday. This is an excellent one. If you have cancer and a car knocks you down and kills you, is that an underlying health condition that killed you? People need to realise this is a serious virus. Um, one definite final one for now. We are a shower of, of scaredy cats. Uh, the cases, the cases, oh, the cases. What about the cases? How many of these cases are actually sick? 
How many are actually dying? How many are experiencing no ill effects whatsoever? How many tests are actually false positives? The number of cases is increasing in line with the increased number of testing. Yet, funnily enough, the death count has fallen off a cliff. Also, um, if the government claimed the lockdown is responsible for flattening the curve, they must also accept that mandated face coverings is responsible for the recent spike in cases. You cannot have it both ways. There's that and lots more besides. After the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, text-wise, uh, you mentioned the COVID rules and procedures being relaxed on reopening the country after lockdown, the toilets and supermarket, in particular supermarket in Cork. Because I was talking about complacency, toilet in particular supermarket in Cork had a staff member on the door allowing only two people in to use the loos. But in the past few weeks, that has all stopped. You walk in. And do whatever you wish. There's nobody to tell you the toilets are occupied now when you go in. Who's to stop extra people using toilets, says Tim? I suppose an example of of, uh, people getting complacent, I suppose, if you like. Um, I heard a few at the end of a message being read out about newborn babies not being seen by GPs until they're eight weeks old. Yes, that was an email yesterday from a mum with a new baby. I just want to confirm that it is the same experience for me and my newborn son. He's seven weeks old since yesterday and won't be seen by his GP till next week. With my first son, he was seen at two weeks and six weeks. So this goes against what I experienced previously. My public health nurse was surprised when I told her that the baby wouldn't be seen until he was eight weeks, says Jen. So it's not an isolated case. Um, There's actually a third one. My GP is the same. Can't get an appointment for something that I need a physical exam for. I have an elderly relative as well who hasn't seen a GP since February and therefore has not had a review of her medication. She has underlying conditions that need to be reviewed every month. This is six months on. Uh, As far as I'm aware, there is no threat to public health by GPs carrying out person-to-person appointments. So thank you for all of those texts on uh, 0868104106. Just on the bus, I got a response from Bus Aaron who said, Bus Aaron understand that a passenger on this bus made other people aware they were attending a COVID test center yesterday. Uh, a person, as per HSE guidelines, a person developing COVID-19 symptoms is required to self-isolate and should not be using public transport. So your man should never have got on the bus in the first place to take him to the COVID test center. And then Bus Aaron remind us that they observe all the precautionary measures needed, including deep cleaning, touch point cleaning throughout the day, personal protective equipment for drivers and capacity limits on board and that it is law to wear face coverings by passengers. Your man actually didn't make other people aware that he was attending the test centre. He was asking the bus driver for directions to the test centre when he got off the bus. Where was he supposed to go? And it was the bus driver told people. And I imagine that the bus driver was right because people needed to be alerted. But on that topic, Ruth, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, well, I hate that this is very interesting because the bus errand said, you shouldn't take public transport if you're going for a test. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Well, Neil, I had a booking on... Uh, you're, sorry, you're a taxi driver. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm a taxi driver, yeah. I had a booking um, with the Free Now app, which I work with on Monday evening at 5pm, and a student from Magazine Road uh, got into the car. Now, I have a protective screen in my car, and then both of us were wearing masks, so sometimes it can be quite difficult to hear someone in those circumstances, you know. But she was going out to the Old Manor Road, and I wasn't aware at that point that there was a test centre out on the Old Manor Road. Um, I know of a few of the other locations. Um, so we were chatting a little bit on and off on the way out, and she was telling me that her car had been blocked in by other students on College Road, and she wasn't able to take it. 
which is why she was getting a taxi. Um, but at no point did she tell me that she was on her way to the COVID test centre for a test um, until I arrived at the test centre. Um, so I pulled in to the test centre and um, I could see straight away that it was a test centre. So I pulled off to the side. Um, I, I suppose at that stage, I still hadn't tweaked because there was a lot of there's a lot of industries in the there test centre. Yeah, yeah. And I thought she was going to work. So um, now she had decided that she was going to pay with cash on the app. And then she asked me, could she pay by card? So I have a credit card machine in my car. In my car. So I handed it back to her through the little opening in the screen. Um, she told me she had no tap facility, so she had to put her card into the machine, put in her PIN number and then hand it back to me. And just as she was getting out of the car, uh, I think, you know, it, it suddenly dawned on me that she was heading for the test centre. So I just said to her, are you working in the test centre? And she said to me, no, no. She said, I'm, I'm going in for a COVID test. So she said, I was at a party on Friday night with some of my friends and one of them tested positive on Sunday. And I, you know, the HSC contacted me and said I needed to have a test. So um, I got very upset, as you can imagine, that she hadn't given me this information when she got into the car. You know, and I proceeded to tell her that, you know, she should have been self-isolating, that she should have, shouldn't have got a taxi. And um, now she, she was quite upset herself. I think, you know, maybe she hadn't realised what she was doing, yeah, you know, yeah. wasn't, wasn't OK. And she said to me, but, you know, I needed to come and have the test. And I said, I understand that, but you could have rang them and rescheduled when you could have got, you know, your car out of its parking space or whatever. But, you know, it's it's this lack of consideration for other people um, and that sort of thing is, is what's really upsetting me more than anything else. So d- so don't get on a bus and don't get a taxi. Drive your own car um, or or what if you don't have a car? I mean, like... Um, I'm, well, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, but, but I mean, I, it, it's been made very clear that you're not supposed to take public transport. You know, I mean, like I had to, I had to pull over into a garage immediately and um, leave the car air out and completely sanitise the entire car, um, myself included and everything else like that. And, you know, it, it was the first time I suppose I've really been, you know, in contact with a close contact and, and it was, it was very upsetting. Yeah, um, because it's right there. Was she? Did she say she had any underlying? How was she feeling? Did you ask her that? I didn't ask her that. No, because I mean there was a very short period. Of and time you don't know what kind of a, she was a student. So I wonder was it a student party that she she that she was at? Well, she, she said that she was at a party on Friday night. Do you know what I mean? No, she was a young woman. I said she was you know early twenties at the most. But like I said, you know, she just she never informed me about what was going on, and um, you know, it, it like I mean, I'm work, I'm working, you know, with free now, but I, I also do a school run and have um, you know special needs children in the car, and I mean, if she had never told me at all, though, I mean, I do regularly sanitize my car after each passenger, but you know, you you, you just you're putting yourself in danger. Well, that's why we're being asked to disinfect and sanitize everything. I mean, it's the same here where I am. Every you know, before anybody else goes into a studio that's used. You know, the, the whole place has to be sanitised and completely wiped down everything, and then I can yeah. go into. It's been that way for six months. Good God! But it has to. It's got to be that way. So surfaces are important, and and mm-hmm. that's a credit card machine that you handed back and forth. Exactly. So, so that's what I'm saying. So you know, I mean, I, I spent an hour sanitising the car. I was just paranoid about just everything inside the car. So you've become a close contact. I mean, uh, there's no way they'll be able to f- track you down if she tests positive. Exactly. This, yeah, this was my concern. So um, I've actually sent off an email to Free now because it was a booking. They do have the customer details to get in contact with her to, to find out if she does test positive. I know, I know, I know. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough for you guys. I mean, you had a you had a big protest the other day, didn't you, taxi drivers? 
We did. We did a big protest the other day. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult. Because um, business you know, has probably I'm, fallen off a cliff. Absolutely. We're down to about, you know, 30% of, of what we normally are. And I mean, most of us are out this week, you know, trying to make a couple of euros because we're all worried that we're going to go to level three at the weekend. And that means an awful lot of us are back on the um, COVID payment. Again, That's you know? right. And of course, added to that, you don't have a jazz weekend, a bank holiday in October. No. And God knows what Christmas will be like for taxi drivers. Exactly. And I mean, you know, the running costs of a taxi alone are very expensive. I mean, there was a report on it there a few months ago. And, you know, the average cost is between 350 and 600 euros a week, depending on your insurance, before you even make a cent. I know, I know. The only thing I can say about that young girl, in her defence, it was reckless what she did, I know. But, like, at least she was a, she was contacted and she went for a test, you know? She was... Yes. Well, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. So I she was responsible that. However, in that regard. She went to get checked, you know? She followed the guidelines. She did, but, um, you know, she should have asked before she got into the taxi and I would have just informed her that I wasn't happy to take her. And she could have rang the test centre and just explained the situation that her car was blocked in and could she reschedule, I understand that, I understand that. Okay, well, hopefully all will be well, Ruth, but uh, thank you for taking the call. Thanks for sharing. So that's a taxi issue and also, indeed, a a bus issue. But the only thing I can say in her defence is at least she followed the guidelines and went to get a test. She didn't go about it the right way, but at least she did it. Uh, has it been forgotten that it is the HSE who is responsible for keeping us healthy? There's the contention carried through the media these days by their various spokespeople that when citizens test positive, it's our own fault. The onus for health generally is now put upon the shoulders of the people rather than the health professionals. There are instructions on TV screens ordering us that if we feel unwell, we're not to visit hospital or our GP clinic, but to follow the instructions and ring an office number instead. All of which is useless twaddle, devoid of any actual urgency. It's mad stuff, which only adds to the distress patients are already suffering. Are they telling us that we have arrived at a place in human evolution when it is doctors alone who are encouraged to heal themselves while we get blamed for getting ill? Um, and it's not just from COVID. Uh, it seems to me that COVID-19 is all about potluck when it comes to treatment. I don't know why you feel that way, Robert. Um, nobody's blaming people who get COVID-19 or test positive. Um, you know, what, what people are being asked to do is to, you know, again, wash your hands, wear the mask, you know, reduce the amount of people that you come in contact with. Um, there's a lot on Freshers' Week, unfortunately, though. I'm so angry about this Freshers' Freshers' Week, even more so because of the comments of the Students' Union. They are doing the virtual week to stop students from feeling isolated, they say. What about all the elderly residents that are afraid to leave their homes? And what about in two weeks' time when our case numbers have soared again because of the students that need social interaction? I fear for the future of college goers of today who can't respect the efforts of the masses and they can only see their own wants and needs. I know there's always an issue with Freshers' Week and I'm far, uh, I'm from the UCC area um, originally, so I'm well aware of the yearly issues. But this year, I really believed and genuinely thought that it was going to be different. I was proven wrong and my blood is boiling because of it. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Paddy, good morning. Hi, Neil. I was just uh, on the boat there when you were saying about... Don't get on a bus and don't be getting into a taxi. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, No, and there's no need for it because when your doctor refers you for a test, the the, the HSE will get on to you and if you have no form of transport, they'll send out the defence force for you. Did that happen with you, or do you just know of it? Yeah, no, it happened to me. Uh, yeah, about five weeks ago. So, and they, they, they said, "Tilly, have you have you any uh, transport?" And I said, "No one." 
There's no problem there. They'll come out and collect you, so there's no need for to do what they did, like. And what came out, like, is it a, 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 an army car or what? Yeah, an, an army kind of a transit bus. And you get into the back of it, and they swab you when you go in in the Mallow Road, they'll swab you in the back of it and land you home again. Oh, you never even get out of the bus? Oh, no, 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 Okay. No, okay. No. Why did you, well, thank you for that. I wasn't aware that the Defence Forces come to people's aid like that. That's good news. Oh, um, and Eileen also called to say the Defence Forces called to her house, took her to the test centre because she doesn't drive. And what, what was the test, positive or negative? Oh, ne- it was negative. I just have asthma, you see, and the, the doctor I trusted was just a bit of afraid that I had uh, breathing problems, but it was only asthma. I knew that, like, kind of, you know, I hadn't other symptoms, but uh, I was only kind of phony to say, like, that the defense forces are there for us. Nice so, one, like, nice one. Okay, good. And did the GP organize that or what? No, you, the GP ref, uh, referred... Uh, they sent me for the test. The HSE didn't would ring you. The HSE rang you, and they contacted they'd, they'd the defence forces. And they asked you, "Have you transport?" And if you have none, they, they'll organise it with the defence force, and they'll get on to you then. And it's all done. It's all done so fast, like very fast. And how how quickly did you get a result back? Uh, bang on two. Uh, bang on uh, two days. Two days. Okay, fair play. That's good clarification. Thanks, Paddy, and thanks, Eileen, as well. I have uh, had to have a test, and I do not drive, nor do I have anyone that could drive me to the test centre. There was no test centre in the city available on the day, and I had to go out to the Mallow Road one you've been talking about. How are people without cars supposed to be tested? I was told I had to be in a car to be tested, that I couldn't walk in. And so I had to pay 96 euro for a taxi. Thank you for that. I wonder, did you tell the taxi driver? And you probably weren't made aware. I don't know why you weren't made aware that the defence forces would have driven you. Neil, you need to grow up. (laughs) Just because he went to the COVID test centre doesn't mean the man who was on the bus has COVID. Many people have to attend test centres prior to hospital admissions or procedures. Uh, That bus driver had absolutely no right whatsoever to say anything to anyone the cheek of him. He was totally and absolutely wrong to do that. And you, Neil, are effing paranoid. Charming. The Neil Prenderville Show. Indeedy, you can always bang us off an email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Um, there was a serious side to Barney, the effing cursing Barney from yesterday. Uh, and of course, um, I know the tabloids picked up on it because Barney was telling people to F-U-C-K. Um, so that was a Barney toy that was bought down in uh, Smith's Toys on uh, in the Kinsale Road. That man has a toy that fell into the wrong hands. Investigations are needed into this. Uh, another one here. What does this guy want with Smith's toys? He was offered a refund, as is the shop's policy. Smith's didn't make the toy. So what more does he want? That batch of toys should be recoil, recalled. He should just take a refund. Get on with it. The Barney toy is indeed sinister and was obviously a deliberate act. I can't understand why the distributor of these toys can't be contacted and in turn the distributor contact the manufacturer. Uh, I don't think it's innocent and I certainly don't think it's funny and it's not something that should be bid on and should not be auctioned, said uh, Deck. Um, it's completely wrong that this toy was tampered with. The blame isn't, though, with Smith's, but with the manufacturer. And it is something that Smith's should take up with the manufacturer and get resolved. Fair play to Barry for highlighting this. It's very concerning and particularly added to the LOL dolls. What the hell is going on with our kids' toys? This is the slow grooming of our young girls. And I seriously worry about the safeguarding of children. Well... 
I don't know why, why you just say young girls, of course. It could be young boys as well and young male and females. Uh, the trivialization of the main issue here from you, Neil, is shocking. How far down the drain do we go? What if Action Man said the same thing? Um, this casual acceptance by you is only a few steps away from what happens too often in this world to children. Um, I'm not so sure that that's altogether fair now, in all fairness. I actually said that it's only a casual step away from introducing something into a toy that can actually physically harm a child. I think Barry's making a big deal about nothing. It's not like the doll had a gram of cocaine inside it. As, uh, as good as uh, a father as I'm sure he is, can he honestly say he never slipped the F word in front of his kids, says Jay and Mallow. There's reams of those, um, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. The funny place names that I was listing, uh, listing out from the UK yesterday, made one of the tabloids. Um, there are Irish equivalents, and I was asking you guys for a list of them yesterday, and here's the ones that came back to me. These are funny, weird, and peculiar Irish place names. There is a place in Wexford called Bastardstown. Uh, here are some place names in Ireland, Neil. Uh, Fanny's Town, Inch, Blue Ball, and <laughs> Boris Nossery. <laughs> What's wrong with poor old Boris Nossery? Kill Britain, Nobber, which I think is a cracking place. Nobber in County Meath. Muff, Cockhill Road, and Terman Fecken in County Louth. There are more. Um, Legwe in County Cavan. <laughs> Legwe. So that's just a selection that I got in yesterday by text to 0868104106. Lovely, lovely names. It's a bit like the story that makes the English Times today of words that are falling out of favour because younger generations don't know them anymore. Like the word sozzled um, for being drunk, right? Um, there's another few here which include poop, going for a boogie, which is a real old fogey word for a dance, I suppose. The word wally. The word bonk. Do I have to explain what the word bonk means? Apparently bonk is a euphemism for sex, if you didn't know it. And it first appeared in 1975 and it's way beyond its best before date. Bonk. Another one is that's fallen out of favour is the word plunk which is a euphemism for cheap table wine. Do you know, years and years and years ago, for those of you that aren't old enough to, to remember, nightclubs and areas like uh, late night entertainment couldn't serve alcohol. And then when they were allowed to, um, an awful lot of uh, wine bars uh, were set up uh, and nightclubs that had wine only. And they used to serve very cheap plunk. It wasn't cheap in price. It was just cheap plunk at a high price. Um, I won't name any of them. One, like Padrotti springs to mind from back in the day when I used to gig in, uh, in, in nightclubs that only had wine licenses. Another one was Leap for Milch. Lieb for Milch. I think that's a white German. It's probably a Riesling. It's like sugar and water. And another one was Blue Nun. They were the favourites at the time. It's not as if you had a choice. <laughs> that was, it, was, it was that or nothing. Anyway, we'll come back to those throughout the course of the morning. Enough for me. Rose, good morning. Thanks for holding. Can you hear me all right? No, Rose isn't happening on line oh, once. Hello? Oh, yeah, there you are. Sorry, there you are. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. What? What? What is it? Is this is to do with um, entering and exiting countries, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So how, it is. Yeah. Go ahead. So as of as of um, last Sunday night at twelve o'clock, if you enter Switzerland either by train, plane, crossover borders. If you don't, you have to go into isolation for self-isolation for 10 days 
And if you're caught outside of your room, there is a 10,000 Swiss franc fine. And they do come around and check. Okay, and what's 10,000 Swiss francs in euro? I think I think it's about eight, eight and a half thousand euros. Maybe it could be a little bit more. I'm not too sure, but it's a big hefty fine anyway. Okay, so they're, they're a lot more stringent than we are when it comes to people like yeah, yeah, they are. And I think that's why maybe they have like less numbers than us because they do follow... They do follow the guidelines and they do follow up on checking people to see if they are self-isolating after coming, after entering into the country. And do you know the countries that you can and can't go to out of Ireland and what you have to do if you go there and come back? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. tell me. Um, so you can go, like, you can't go to many countries now on the Irish green list. But if you go to a country that's not on the green list, you have to self-isolate for 10 days. So if, I, I'm, let's turn it into a bit of a quiz. If I go to Spain, for instance, for a week or 10 days. You think you have to isolate for 10 days? The Canaries. Um, I'm not too sure about the Canaries. The I UK. You have to isolate for 10 days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but funny, because if we go there, we don't have to isolate when we get there. Yeah, yeah. My so, husband works in Switzerland. Um, so when he went back after lockdown, after five and a half months, he didn't have to isolate when he went over. But if he comes home and he goes back, he has to isolate for 10 days and then he has to miss out on two weeks of wages. So it actually cost him about 4,000 Swiss francs to come home just for a weekend. Crikey. They're really taking yeah. a lot more. And are they actually fining people? Oh, yeah. 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 They do go around and they check. They're very, very strict. They're, you know, it's... They don't have half the amount of scaremongering going on here as they do over there. Why? Very, I don't know. I don't know. It's just... I guess they're just learning how to live with it. Just get on with their lives and start, you know, pick up where they left off, I suppose. But... Um, it's very relaxed over there. It's very. And do you, you think know, it's not? Do you believe it's not relaxed here? No, I don't. No, I think there's a lot of scaremongering going on, and people are terrified, and it's just the way that it's going to have to be. You know, it's just. And what kind of scaremongering do you think is going on? I just think the rules are—they don't make any sense. You know, they don't. If you can go to the pub and have a bag, a bowl of chips, but you can't go to the pub and just have a drink, like... Well, you can now. Well, you can, but before the wet pubs open... Oh, I know, yeah, but like... like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's just... It, it doesn't make any sense to okay. me. Okay, well, the countries now that we can travel to are four. Well, you can go anywhere yeah. you want, but this is with regards to a green list. Cyprus, yeah. Finland, Latvia and Liechtenstein. Yeah. Um, they're the only four now whose numbers are low enough that if you, if you go there, either. you don't have to isolate for 14 days when you come back. Yeah, and I don't think there's even an airport in Liechtenstein, is it? Well, I don't know how many people want to go to Liechtenstein, but maybe <laughs> Cyprus. Bit of sun. Cyprus would be nice. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right, appreciate it. Thanks no, for that update. No Thank Thank you. Take care. Bye. Lines open at 1850 104 106. Text 0868 104 106. Pat, good morning. 
morning, Neil. I, I possibly inadvertently stole your thunder with your text earlier on this morning. My apologies for that. But um, back to uh, freshers and uh, partying and house parties, is it? Yeah, I'm just amazed. I, I just think it's a lot of guff, really, from the college, and the college have a cop out. I mean, like, he's, he's turned around, the dean of the college has turned around and said the first years will be expelled for partying. Should they know they're different, they, they're 18, 19. It's the student union he should have called. It. Like, the, the student union are dictating to the dean of the college. Why didn't he call them in, sit them down and say, listen, lads, I want nothing organised this year. If anything is organised, in mass, the entire student union is being expelled. Yeah, um, have you seen the videos and the footage coming out of Galway? But the same thing. It's I mean, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's much, much worse in Galway than, than it is here in Cork, to be honest with you now, from the videos in, that I've seen. But in Galway, they did it in a public place. In Cork, they're doing it in houses. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the way students will always and ever look at it, and the way young people will look at it, if there's two of us, there's a chance of us being arrested for drunken disorderly. If there's 200 of us, they'll move us on. Um, there's, a, there's senators now in Galway are calling in the want to call in the army apparently to enforce the rules. But you're only turning the place into a police state, then that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, surely the dean of the college above in UCC, the dean of the college above in UCG, UL, Trinity, UCD, they can all sit down with the, the, the guard inspectors from their areas and turn around and say, lads, do us a favour, the station's closest, as in in Cork, Bridewell and Bishopstone. You'd never give a spin past CIT, you'd never give a spin past uh, College Road there, early in the evening to show a presence, and about 11pm There was night. no one, there was nobody on the Bandon Road, there was nobody on Barrack Street, there was nobody on College Road, Connacht Avenue... The, when I when I was there last night, there was nobody on Washington Street. There was nobody on Oliver Plunkett Street. I looked into the pubs, and everybody that was in there were sitting sitting at tables, all very well behaved. Again, due to highlighting it on the radio and everything. Ah, uh, not at all. They don't listen to the likes of me. They do. No, young people do what young people no, want to do. I'm not. I'm not on what young people. I'm just saying businesses in general would be a lot more cautious on who they're serving. But and there was no one. No, it was teeming down with rain. But there was no one queuing to go into a pub. There was nobody falling around the streets. There were no guardy in the city last night because there was no need for them. Fair enough. But yesterday afternoon at two o'clock, where were you when there was? When I drove past on College Road, 25 lads with a box of beer each walking up to College Road. Where do you think they were drinking that, Neil? Okay, I didn't, I, I'm not able to get into anybody's house. I only, I, the only thing that I could see as I was going past was one house party. I was able to look in the hall because the taxi driver was dropping off boxes and boxes of stuff. I don't know what it was. It might have been booze. It could have been, it could, could have been, I was going to say it could have been, um, uh, uh, fast food, but I can't say with any amount of certainty. But I did get to look in, and the place was jammed inside. So that was one house party, but that was it. But that—that's the one you saw. What about the ones you didn't see? Uh, maybe, like, maybe, like, maybe. Like, like that, but I was told expect. I was told to expect people all over the streets falling on top of bonnets of cars, and there was none but, of it. But my, my my point isn't about like I agree with you. Young people will do what young people do, and you you really can't con- control it. You know, they'll get an idea and they'll run with it. You know what I mean? Uh, from being young myself, from from having teenagers, thing. But my point is, the dean of the college, if the college actually wanted to stop it, they could have stopped it by sitting down with the student union. He's on about expelling first years who go parking, but he never told the, the student union who organised this virtual freshers week. Let's organise anything and I'll expel you. Expel the student union? Expel the student union. Yeah, that would have yeah. been the first place to go. Yeah, he yeah. could have turned around, sat down with the entire student union and said, lads, it's like this. 
we're, we're in unprecedented times at the moment. I can't allow you to have a freshers week. Next year, all going well, the second years and first years can have a freshers week. I'll even provide acts for you to, to have a great freshers week next year. Okay. But this year, I want nothing happening, and this is the result. But I, now you're looking at, even if, say, 10 cases came out of the parking over the, the, the previous weekend and what have you and they gave it to four more each that's 40 and that 40 gave it to two more each that's 80 and all of a sudden you're up into thousands well we'll soon know because the figures that were released daily aren't from tests yesterday they're tests from last week yeah. So we'll soon know as the days go by as to, and we'll certainly know by uh, by Friday. But certainly maybe tomorrow night we'll know where we're at with regards to level three. Okay, let uh, let, let me encourage people if they did, um, if they do have any stories or any evidence of uh, partying or house parties last night to get in touch with me and we'll see if there was any, all right? Yeah, perfect. Okay, appreciate it. So do text on that, text 0868104106. Many people have had a very tough time of it. Uh, if you're suffering, uh, you're, you're not alone. Um, and uh, I got an email in there recently from uh, a couple who have been to hell and back. Um, it's been very, very difficult. And I suppose uh, with depression and anxiety issues and COVID-19, it's made all the worse. She was telling me about her, about her husband uh, at the time uh, that they had all of these problems. They weren't married or weren't living together, but he lost his job due to the recession. His dad passed away. He hit rock bottom. He was drinking to get through the day with the same thoughts and feelings as many other people would have. Uh, She said, I would worry if I didn't hear from him. And I often drove to where he was living just to make sure that he was just okay. And this went on for months. And he told me, uh, you could do better than me. And he said that he couldn't be a man, the man that I deserved. Uh, But all of this was only ever after drinking that he said these, these kind of things. And this went on and on. You know, with regards to alcohol and drinking too much and the after effects of it and the effects that it has on your brain and your mood and depression and, you know, the the black dog and the fear and what have you. Uh, anyway, she said, I told him to go and see someone because it just wasn't the real him uh, because he's the nicest person you could ever meet. But at the time, he was just a shadow of what he could be. Well, eventually he did go to see his GP and I'd say he just broke down and he told him everything. And I remember he rang me to meet up and we talked and he asked me to go with him to his GP as he was diagnosed with depression and social anxiety, which I, which I did, went with him. His GP explained everything, prescri- prescribed medication, prescribed counselling, and he went to all of that. Uh, he had somebody outside the box listen to him and see things differently. And once he opened up to me and told me his feelings and his worries, we were a unit again and stronger for it. Uh, anybody who's suffering at the moment, you are not alone. Talk to a friend, talk to your wife, talk to your partner, open up to somebody, go and see your GP at this time more than ever. It will help you. You will be stronger because you are never alone. Myself and my husband have been to hell and back over the years and he is such a strong person now and I rely on him. He talks more. He's open when before he'd stay silent, but inside he'd be in turmoil. We have two amazing kids together and we've been together for 15 years now. My advice to people at this difficult time is open up. In my case, uh, you know, I suppose as an example, talk to your wife. She'll help you. She'll support you. Uh, people are not failures by doing so. Um, it will show you the love of your family, the love of a friend, the love of your partner, and it will make your bond stronger. I hope people who are suffering at this time get the support that they need. Uh, I pass that on. Hopefully it will be uh, maybe some words of encouragement for people who are struggling and have been over recent months. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Noel, good morning. Ah, Neil. 
Thank you for holding. Top of the morning to you. You too, my friend. What are you fed up about? I'm, listen, I'm, I'm asking you please now, don't censor me, okay? I might. Depends I'm, I'm, depends no, I'm going to tell you facts. I'm going to tell you scientific facts. All right, did you ever, yeah, well, did you ever hear of facts checking and balance? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you stuff that you can check out for yourself. I'm a computer scientist and I'm a sociologist, okay? Yeah, well, I'm, right. I'm, I'm with somebody with a bit of common sense, so let, share it with me and we'll see what we make of it. You can Google this stuff for yourself. <laughs> At the beginning of this pandemic, and I'm not denying there was a pandemic, and I say was... At the beginning of this pandemic, there were several strains of the virus. There were two main strains that came out from the virus. There was the S-type and the L-type. One type was more deadly and less contagious. The other type was less deadly and more contagious. Okay? Yeah. As the American friends would say, Biology 101, if a virus is more deadly and less contagious, it will eventually die off because it runs out of hosts because it doesn't get a chance to reproduce. Now, you can Google that for yourself, S-type, L-type, and you'll see results all over the place, okay? Yeah, why do I need to know that? Because the less deadly version of the virus is the version that won won the race, so to speak. The less deadly version, okay. So we dodged a bullet then, do we? No, wait for it. Look at the stats, look at the number of cases versus the number of deaths over the last seven months. You can ask... I won't give I won't give, give names out, but you can ask staff and Marks and Spencers. I was wearing a face mask in mid-February in the supermarkets. That's how far ahead of this government and NFET I was. Mm-hmm. I was wearing a face mask in mid-February, so I won't mention names. But you can ask staff and Marks and Spencers in Holland and Barrett in the English market. I was wearing a face mask when I was going into stores back in mid-February. That's how far ahead I was of this government. Okay. The next thing is. The virus mutated in March and April. The mutation is called D614G. That's the name of the mutation. So the less deadly, more contagious version of the virus became even less deadly and more contagious. That's why you've got so many people testing positive. Um, Many people are testing positive now because they've ramped up testing as well, yeah? Yes, and that's that's another problem. Number one, we don't know what kind of test they're using. We know they're using what's called PCR tests. PCR tests take a biological sample. I've had one done. I was in Alicante three weeks ago. I came back with a sore throat. I knew it was a throat infection because I had to wear a face mask nonstop in 36 degrees heat walking down the street. So I knew I had a throat infection, but the doctor sent me for a test anyway. They take a swab. They put that biological matter into a, 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 say, a machine for, to, to make things simple. They multiply it several times. The more they multiply that, it's called cycling. The more they multiply that, the more likely they are going to come up with a positive result. Now, we're not, we're not being told what kind of PCR tests are being used. We're not <sighs> being told how many times they're cycling those I'm tests. not interested, to be honest with you. I'm just not well, we need to know because if you cycle it too many times, you will come up with a positive I know, test. I know, I know, but I think we're too. I think I think we're just. I just think we're too far down the track now to be engaged in all of that kind of scientific detail. I'm actually stunned that you said that. Why? Because science is science. It's factual. It's it's it's. I'm actually stunned that you said that. Listen, I went to Alicante three. No, weeks I mean, ago. I don't need to know the scientific scientific minutia. We do testing. need to know. We do need to know because if they're cycling the test too much, they're going to get numerous false positives. 
And if you have 1% false positives... But, like, you're the, one, you're the one that was wearing a mask in February. You because know? I knew what was happening back so, in February. Uh, I'm not uh, wearing a mask now. I, I wear it into a shop because I'm obliged to by law, yeah. but I'm not wearing it down the street. Nor am I, but I, I wear it where I'm asked to wear it and where I'm supposed to wear it. But I was doing it back in February when right. the virus was doing damage. It's not doing the same damage now, Neil. It's not. I was in Malaga last weekend. I got a text message from the government saying you were asked to self-isolate, but you can still go for your shopping, you can still go to the pharmacy, and you can still go outside for exercise. Why'd you go? Because I got a <laughs> because I got a return flight for fifteen euro. Okay, okay, and you you have no problem telling people. Did anybody criticise you for doing that? No. No, I've had people terrified to come near me, but for the most part, my friends and family are like, ah, oh, whatever. And you don't think it was any, in any way reckless? No, absolutely not. They, they, now, I have to tell you, in Alicante, the people were frightened of their own shadow. Benidorm was like a ghost town, because I went up to Benidorm to, Benidorm to have a look. But in Malaga, people were singing and dancing, eating and drinking outside. Now, they were all wearing face masks on the streets and stuff like that. But for the most part, they had gone back to life as normal. Right, OK. What are their numbers like? I have no idea. I'm not paying attention to the numbers anymore. Right. I'm not, I, I've given up. So when... So you've given up paying attention to anything? No, not, not anything. I paid attention to the stuff at the start of it. I was watching the videos coming out of China at the, and in January, and I knew there was a deadly pandemic going to go around the world. I knew February 8th that there was a deadly pandemic going to go around the world. That's why I started to wear a face mask. Have you been, have you been looking at the creeping numbers there in the last couple of weeks? Of course I have. It's, okay. it's 100, 300 and something, 400 and something. Yeah. Neil, I had this virus back in January 24th. I had it. I can tell you who, how, where, how, when how and know? why I got the virus. How do you know? Were you tested for it? No, but I had all the symptoms, and I didn't know they were the symptoms at the time. I met a man named Jerry. I won't say any more about him. January 19th, just after 2 o'clock, down the side of... Um, Ah, Merchant's Key Shopping Centre. He grabbed my hand, he shook my hand, and he said, oh, I haven't seen you. Happy New Year. How was your journey? Because I'd spent the month of December in Bolivia, and I spent 10 minutes talking to him, up close and personal because of all the people walking past and the traffic and everything else. He was smothering, absolutely smothering. He barely talked. He was so bad. And I, I met him a couple of months later, and he said he was in bed for five days straight. He thought he was going to die. He had the worst flu ever. That Wednesday, the 22nd... I yeah, started, but that could have been a virus you got off him or something like that. Let me finish. That Wednesday, I started to have symptoms. Difficulty breathing, a dry cough. The Friday, 24th of January, I called my GP. I can tell you his name if you want. Not interested. I give him permission to, give, to tell you that I called him. But I called him, and I had... Uh, Difficulty breathing, a dry cough, and the, the, the doctor said, it sounds like a viral infection. That went on for one more week. My husband is Carlos. He'll tell you. The following Tuesday, I was cooking something. He said, that smells lovely. I said, I can't smell a thing. I had a rash on my skin that I didn't. I know it wasn't painful. You might have. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. You might have. I don't know whether you did or not. Um, I know that I was completely crocked in January I, as well, and I don't know whether I had it or not. I'm 100% sure I had it. The following Thursday, he brought something up to eat. We were watching a movie. He said, this tastes delicious. I said, I can't taste the thing. The next week, I had hypoxia. I was trained as a medic by the Irish Army. 
I was in the 11 field medical okay, company. Well, well, let's let's accept that you might have had it. I don't know whether you did or not. But what? what but how sure does I that? How, I, I mean, telling me, telling me the speed in which testing machines rotate. It, it, like uh, uh, you know, okay, it may well be hugely important to you, but I, I'm just trying to be careful and balanced that people don't get reckless, that these numbers don't continue rising, that we yeah, don't overwhelm. Hang on a second, and I won't say much more. That we don't overwhelm ICU, and we don't see more old people dying. But they're going to die anyway. Ah, steady Neil. on, like steady oh. on. If it's pre- if it's preventable, and and it seemed to be doing quite well across. June and July and what have you, and even a bit of August. Like, yeah, we don't want to go back. That's well. all I'm saying. I'm not dismissing any scientific evidence you're giving me, but I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to keep a bit of common sense on board here. Some more science. Do you remember when the government sent out iodine tablets to every household in the country because yeah. of Sellafield? Yeah. Right. Google this, and this is scientific fact. Vitamin C with zinc boosts your immune system. That's scientific fact. That's been known for a long time. Okay? But I, no, I'm not disputing any of those. And I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything. I, I'm not in any that way saying, nor, nor am I saying that your strains of different coronavirus are wrong or that the testing protocols are questionable. I'm not saying you're wrong in any of that. I'm just like you just said, people are going to die. That's what I don't want to happen. Well, it's going to happen anyway. What you're not being told is that the flu season of 2019 was exceptionally mild. So a lot of the people who died because of this virus and other things, other viruses, they died because they didn't die back in 2019. It's horrible. We don't want people to die, but people will die naturally anyway, Neil. And we can't stop that. Let me give you one more scientific fact. And you're going to be amazed when your researcher Googles this because it's been in the news in other countries, but not in this country. A lack, the reason why the virus dipped during June and July is because people were getting sunlight. Sunlight provides you with vitamin D. Vitamin D. That's right, and I'm not disagreeing with that either. But now we'll be going into the winter with shorter days and less of all of that. So should we not be encouraging? Is scientifically proven to protect your upper respiratory tract from any viral infection, and it's scientifically proven to help you fight off a viral infection. So as we go into the winter, elderly people and people with darker skin, you're not supposed to say that, should be taking vitamin D3 supplements, and everybody else should be taking it as well. It's scientifically proven. That's you true. Type into no, I don't, have to, I don't have to, because as I say, I'm not disagreeing with much of what you're saying, and what you've just said there is in fact correct as far as I'm concerned with regards to vitamin D and other vitamins and supplements like that, assuming that people know that they need to get the stronger ones and not to buy the cheap the stuff. That send every household a packet of vitamin C with zinc and a, va- a packet of vitamin D3. Why didn't they send them that instead of telling them to stay at home? All right, okay, all right, okay, so we covered an awful lot of ground there, um, and I hope I haven't censored you, um, but what, what do you think we should be doing now? You're, you're, you're clearly saying that it's less deadly, but deadly is still deadly. You're saying that people will die, it's inevitable anyway. So what should we all do? The flu is deadly, Neil. No, but what, okay, but what, where, we, where we're at right now, what should we be doing? You wear your face mask going into a supermarket. You keep your distance from elderly people. People who have, uh, who have uh, compromised immune systems take extra precautions. And we get back to normal life. We get back to normal life. There is a huge economic crash coming down the road. Massive. Massive. The budget deficit, the, the executive deficit for July was $8.3 billion For July alone. 
there's a massive economic crash coming. Yep. Massive. And do you think that price was too big to pay, the economic damage? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm talking, we're talking beyond what happened with the Great Depression. There's a massive economic crash coming. And that includes up to and including looting and rioting on the streets. You, you, what, what's going to happen is the agenda is very obvious to see. And you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but it's out there in the open to see. They've passed laws about COVID-19 and the pandemics and stuff like that. When people start to protest about other issues and about uh, the, the, the inflation and uh, lack of uh, payment and lack of work and everything else, the government will crack down and say you can't protest because you're in contravention of COVID-19 laws. And then people will get even more angry and they'll start protesting even more angrier. And then they'll have rooting, looting and rioting. That's okay. what you're, it's going to happen. Okay. It's down okay. the road. It's back in the... The more the government cr- clamps down on people's personal liberties, civil liberties, the more the, 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 the kickback is going to be. Okay, well, with regards to clamping down, when you came back from uh, Malaga and came back from Alicante, did you restrict your movements? I did exactly what I've been doing since February. I went down to the supermarket with a face mask on, got my groceries, went home, got exercise by walking up and down hills. Okay, so we seem to be on the same page then with regards to face masks, washing your hands, limiting the amount of people that you do uh, meet with. Um, um, well, I, I am, met, I, am I right in that regard? Like, you're, you're not disagreeing with the advice that's being listen given. Listen to me. I met friends. I met friends down in the Grand Parade. We kept our distance from each other, but we had a good conversation. An hour, two, even two hours yesterday with one man. I mean, but we kept our distance. The chances of catching a virus while you're walking down the street, while the sun is shining, while the, while the wind is blowing, the chances of catching a virus from somebody else is nearer to 0% than it is 1%. Not, not disputing that? Uh, so what's your problem? The problem is that, number one, younger people are more resilient. Like I saw the video from uh, Winthrop Street. I don't care that a hundred people that were dancing around together. Let them dance around together. I live down the Lower Glanmire Road near the train station. Arcadia Hall is just a few doors away from me. There's a house party there every single night of the week at this point. Now, why don't you, okay, so I don't have much time left, incidentally, but why don't you care? Because younger people, a certain cohort, a very, very large cohort of people are not going to be bothered by this virus. But what about those that, all right, listen, I don't want to be the scaremonger, but but what, what happens if they come in contact with others? But that's, that, that's others' responsibility. No, it's not. They, they come in contact with others unknowing to the others. The people who, elderly people and people who are immunocompromised, they need to take precautions. They're the ones that need to take precautions, not the rest of the, of the population. The rest of the population, get out there and enjoy your lives. Have house parties, have street parties, do whatever comes naturally. Seriously, okay. Ronan Glynn and the other guy from the HSE, they're just, uh, the, 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 the terror and the fear that they keep putting into the population. Okay, let me see what, let me, let me see what people make of our conversation. Are you happy enough to we cover the ground you wanted to cover? I don't mean to cut you short, but are we done? Are we okay? 
Yeah, thanks, Neil. Okay, appreciate that. Thanks, Noel. Back after 11, 1850 You can text on that, 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now, 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, first up, uh, Anne, who I spoke to on the air on Monday. Lovely conversation with her, uh, about herself and, uh, you know, how things have been for her and the sad death of her son. Uh, she was on the air with me on Monday and we got talking about holy water and many people called because they wanted to get her some holy holy water. It's important to her. She came back yesterday to say that she's very grateful to everyone who phoned in to help her with some holy water. She said she got so much of it that she could have a bath in it. Uh, She wanted to let me know uh, that she will bless us all and all our families every single night from here on in. So that's lovely. Thank you for coming back, Anne. And I'm glad you picked up the phone because when people do, it can make all of the difference. Thank you to Noel as well. First time caller there just before 11 o'clock. A lot of texts on that. Uh, Not all of them terribly complimentary to me. But can I just say, after just in case it's something that I need to remind from time to time, particularly in conversations and stories involving COVID-19, coronavirus, I need to vigorously question uh, everybody. uh, And I endeavor to do it. Uh, all of the time, both sides. And there are two sides now. There really are. There is a division down the middle and there are those that do and there are those that don't. Um, I'm not saying those that do and don't get it, but, you know, there is uh, a very much in the past few months now a division in society. It's a lot more anxious, a lot more anger, a lot more disquiet, a lot more frustration, worry and fear. So my job is a, a very simple one, to vigorously question everything. Uh, Neil treated that man very badly and Neil was just ignorant. Uh, Excellent speaker there. He made so much sense and I agree with him 1000%. Common sense mixed with science. He hit the nail on the head. On the aspect involving science, I just did not want to be drilling into the science of how fast um, a test tube spins in a lab. That's all. Uh, it It is not something that I'm saying isn't important, but just in the terms of what we're doing on air, um, Otherwise, you have a conversation that goes on for 10 or 15 minutes and we cover absolutely nothing. I believe that Noel is happy that we eventually managed to cover everything that he wanted to touch on. Uh, Fantastic interview with Noel. Keep him on. I love him. Uh, I totally agree with him. Uh, Common sense should prevail. The country has been subjected to fear and anxiety from our so-called leaders and shame on them. So sad to see our airport staff losing their jobs, all because of these restrictions which are just ridiculous. Great radio station, well done. Uh, that clown should be reported to the Gardaí. What a Muppet. He's telling people to have house parties, to have street parties, yet he wears a mask while he's out. He's a clown. You should have pulled him up on it, Neil. Uh, it's because of people like that man on the radio that this virus is getting worse again. I have a newborn baby um, living with my parents who are not 100% healthy, and I'm terrified every day. He says this isn't killing people. Well, it is going to kill someone who has very bad breathing issues, COPD, for instance. It will affect them and it will kill them. That man is a disgrace talking about the figures, the figures. I don't know what difference it makes. He's a dope on about facts that he's read on Google. He's far from educated. Uh, Neil, please, please, you need to stop interrupting. We really want to hear about the vitamins. Love the show. Uh, morning, Neil. You are just part of the fake news mainstream media. You go with whatever RTE say. RTE is fake, fake news. I don't know how often you listen. I could say not often enough. But to describe me as part of the mainstream RTE fake news agenda, I'm not upset that you would think that way. I'm just disappointed. 
because um, that ain't so. Uh, he's putting you in your place, Neil. Don't let him talk. Don't let him talk to you like that. He's an arrogant man, says Gary and Douglas. He's not. He's entitled to his opinion. But you're damned if you don't question people. You're damned if you do. Ask him, since when does less deadly mean not deadly? Ah, Neil, have a bit of respect for that man's opinion. We're all just fed up. Uh, Morning, Neil, I don't think you like him. I do like him. I do like him. And I love calls like that. I love passionate calls like that. Uh, That was a very stupid comment that you don't want to hear about the science. I said, I don't want to hear about the science of how fast they rotate uh, speeding test tubes in a lab. Uh, and uh, like we can spend an hour, if you want, talking about two different strains of coronavirus. But really, is that where we're at now? You know, is that what we should be talking about now? Up to you guys. I can't believe that you're being so dismissive of that man's questioning regarding the PCR testing. Of course, this information is vital to know in deciding the course to take with lockdowns. Yours is an unbelievable attitude. I think we covered an awful lot more relevant ground, actually, by moving away from PCR testing. But that's just my own opinion. Great to hear that, listener. Very refreshing to hear someone fight back against your scaremongering. It's only numbers, Neil. No deaths anymore. Give over. Open up Ireland. Stop closing down businesses. I'm reading these now, and I'm not engaging in any kind of censorship. Get that langer off the air, will you? He's talking utter crap. Ooh, I have a degree. I know everything. These conspiracy theorists should be kept and should keep their views to themselves, says Sean. You can't, you can't say to somebody who has an opinion or a point of view that doesn't agree with yours that they should keep them to themselves. That's not what democracy is all about. And it certainly isn't what this radio program is about anyway. But again, I'm back to vigorously questioning everything. Uh, Noel is talking bull, full stop. Um, and there's many more. We'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Text 0868 And also, I've also been taken to task from yesterday's program when I honed in on outdoor markets. Yeah, I was talking about, say, for instance, the Blackrock market, which I have no axe to grind with, apart from uh, maybe at these times that people are saying too many people gathering too far, you know, too uh, up and too close to each other. But it's very unfair to put any blame for the rise in COVID numbers on outdoor traders. Outdoor traders have been open throughout most of the lockdown when the COVID numbers were suppressed all along. There was no mention of outdoor traders by you then. It is unfair for you to spew out such nonsense or even to raise the topic. Outdoor traders are trying to make an honest living and support families like everyone else. So less of the scaremongering, please. Um, One or two more. No other country has seen the pub restrictions and the closure of pubs because only in Ireland have the pubs remained closed. Personally, I love the Irish, and I wouldn't have us any other way. Well, they're not closed at the moment. Some have decided to remain closed, particularly the smaller ones. Uh, we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. Why are you always blaming young people? My husband was at the local pub Sunday night, and people from different households were sitting at the same table. I thought this was not allowed, but when I said it to my husband, he said, it was all grand inside the pub. What's the difference between these people in their 60s and young people out drinking and enjoying themselves? And a final one on this. The Irish cannot be trusted when it comes to alcohol. So just close all the pubs, restaurants and off licenses for three weeks. I bet you'd see a big change. No one will have the guts to do this, though, though not in Ireland. Thank you for those. Text oh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. You can also send a voice note if you don't want to come on the air. Uh, and the voice note will go to our WhatsApp number, which is the same as our text number, 0868-104-106. To the phones we go. Laurie, good morning. 
Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for your thanks for your email. I read it this morning, but rather than read it out, thanks for agreeing to come on air. This is a South Dock issue. Incidentally, you're not alone in this, but go ahead anyway. Um, so basically, my daughter was born by C-section. So, but let's talk a little about that because she was a very lucky girl. She was. She was. So I went into labour a bit early. I was due on the 30th of August and my waters broke on the 25th. I went into the ER and they did what's called a speculum to check if there's any leaking waters and things like that. And they said there wasn't. So they said, we'll keep you in overnight just to make sure. Um, I went for a scan the following morning and my small room wasn't moving. She wasn't responding. And they said that there was no waters around her so that the waters would have had gone. So they said they'll induce me to get things moving along. So that was fine. I was induced. They induced you with a gel. And if that doesn't kind of pick up the pace, they'll put you on a drip. I was put on the drip, um, went into the delivery suite, got my epidural, things like that. And nothing was progressing. So she got a bit stressed and her heart rate started to drop. So Was this, I think you were saying this was 37 hours into labour. Yeah, it's 37 hours in labour when they decided we're going to have to section you. Um, I was exhausted. I was. I just didn't really know what was going on at this point. Um, they said that they were going to section me. So I was like, okay, because her heart rate was dropping. She was stressed. I was stressed. So she was sectioned. And when she was sectioned, they said that the cord was around her neck twice, down around her back and around her arm. So had my labour progressed and I delivered her naturally, she basically would have been strangled like she wouldn't have there would have been slim chances of her actually mm. making it out into the world and it happens so yeah um, so she was she was brought down to the neonatal because her oxygen levels were very low and she was struggling to breathe and things like that she was in there for 24 hours now because I was sectioned and had the epidural I couldn't go down now they did leave my partner going in and out as he pleased so she wasn't on her own mm-hmm. Um but that was fine. I that, it, meet her. That's that's not normal protocol, though, is it? With um, with the neonatal, with it your, is. With, with your partner in a neon, is it okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the the neo and the NICU, um, you can go in and out. It's ah, only right. the parents are allowed to go in and out, though. Okay. And it's face mask sanitized. You're not allowed sleeves or anything like that. Okay. Okay. Um. So then I I was able to meet her. I was about sixteen to eighteen hours later. Um. She was just whipped away. But, you know, that was for her own safety and whatever. Um, so they said, like, it would be normal for her to be wheezy and congested because her airways couldn't be cleared naturally as as, as it would be with a natural yeah. labour. But you got her home uh, a week later, didn't you? Yeah, we, she was delivered on the Wednesday and we were at home on the Saturday. Right, OK. And she was she was out of the neonatal in 24 hours. So she was, she was it seemed all good. OK, uh, so what happened next then? Some days passed... Yeah, so it was about, I think she was about a week old and she started getting very, very wheezy. It was like she couldn't breathe. And it was like she was taking in like big gasps of air, but there was nothing coming back out. And, you know, she was screaming, crying. So we rang South Dock um, and we explained the situation. We explained she was only a few days old. She was in the neonatal and they were like, okay, we'll pass it on to the doctor. It's urgent. Um, the nurse was lovely. She was brilliant. She was like, you know, if she starts to turn blue or anything like that, you need to ring back straight away. So she said that we'd be contacted as soon as possible and to wait for the call. So we did, um, and they rang us back two hours later. And the doctor told my partner, um, because she's so small and she's a baby, we don't have the facilities to deal with a baby. Now, 
at this point, like I was absolutely fuming because I've been to South Dock. I have nieces and nephews. I've seen raw babies in South Dock. I know they have the facilities. Like I understand COVID-19 and things like that, but like this is a small child. She needs to be seen by a doctor and, you know, we're being told, oh, you need to go to the CUH or your GP. This is normal. She's been sectioned. Um, it was like... I, I, I mean, I would have thought that A&E would be the place, no? Well, no, you have to you have to kind of follow, go to your GP or South Dock first and then be referred into the CUH. Because I thought it would be a case of go to the CUH first and they were like, no, you have to go to South Dock or your GP first. And so if I, if I have a, 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 new, a brand new baby that was born prematurely and had airways and lungs blocked up and lacking oxygen and she's at home and is wheezing and gasping and screaming in discomfort... I shouldn't get into the car and drive straight to the A and E. Well, if she turns blue, apparently yes. But if she stays pink, and if they're pink, apparently they're getting the oxygen they need. So it's just the case okay. of follow up right. with the GP or South Dock. Okay. Okay. Um, so what did you do? So, so that was fine. We said she was fine. She calmed down. The wheezing stopped. We said we go to the GP in the morning. The GP examined her. He said all was fine. It was just the the normal stuff from her being sectioned. Um, tried the saline drops that'll clear her nose and whatever. So we did that. Um, and then Sunday night, it got really really bad again. But it was like like she was gasping again. Just you know she couldn't breathe. It was all congested. Now my partner's brother has breathing difficulties as well, and it was he said it could just be a case she might need to be suctioned. So that's what they did. Suction all the fluid out of her and things like that. So we rang South Dock again um, and we told the receptionist. She passed it to the nurse straight away. The nurse rang me within 10 minutes. Um, and she was like, okay, she's not blue or anything. We were like, no. So she was like, that's fine. Um, explained the situation. She said, we'll get a doctor to ring you straight away. She was like, keep the link clear um, and they'll ring you in a few minutes. Um, and then or she said, to, if, she, if we don't hear by the doctor straight away and something changes or there's an issue, ring back and she'll ask for her and whatever. So an hour passed and we were kind of sitting there in limbo and the small one was still crying and still wheezy and still gasping. So we rang back again. I spoke to the same nurse. Um, you said to her, my daughter's a month old, struggling to breathe and in distress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very interesting that you're told to wait to t- until the baby turns blue, but you're, at that stage, it could well be too late. That, that's it. Like, that's, that's the issue. And, like, I'm being told by, you know, the nurse and the doctors, you know, oh, this is all normal. Like, to me, that's not normal. Like, if someone's struggling to breathe, there's a problem I there. Know, I know, I know, I um, know. So... That was fine. Rang back. She rang back. She she was like, "Have you not been contacted by the doctor?" And I said, "No, um, not at all. It's like we've kept the link clear. You know, she's still crying." And at this point, my partner was trying to settle the child. And I said to him, "I goes, look. I said, let her cry. Let them hear her cry on the phone." I said, "Because clearly we're not getting anywhere with them." Mm. So he did. He let her cry and whatever. And. She said, I'll pass it back to the doctor. I'll get you up to the top of the list again and you should be the next call out. Um, It's been marked as urgent again. That was fine. We sat there waiting and she was still crying, still struggling to breathe and another hour passed and my own mum came in and my mum said to me, she was like, look, she was like, you're getting over with them. She was like, just what you do is ring the hospital. She was like, because I'm close to calling an ambulance here. So 
I rang, my partner rang um, the COH and he was put through to A&E and they said bring her up straight away. Um, and when we went in there, they checked her and everything and said it was fine. It could just be like her little airways and things like that because of everything being congested in her nose and stuff. Um, at this point, when we got in there, she calmed down. Okay, and okay. It, it was all starting to clear. So they said, you when know... When you were ringing, well, yeah, and, and, and they did what was necessary and, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were advised under no circumstances to contact South Dock again. Yeah, point blank. Like, I was I was brought into um, a small little ward with the baby and the nurse told me, she was like, don't even, don't even contact them again. She said straight up, she was like, they're sending people in here that don't need to be here. She said, whereas there's people that actually need to be getting in an ambulance are being told to stay at home. She said, and in your case, they just didn't bother. You know, she said, you're better being safe than sorry. Just come straight up, ring ahead, ask to be put through to paediatrics and tell them you're coming up with the, the baby she, and what's going on. Did she say that your daughter should have been brought to CUH in an ambulance? No. Right. So she didn't say that that's what should have happened? No. Okay, what did she say should have happened? Um, she, she, basically, she said South Dock should have brought her in to see, see her and examine her chest and examine everything and make did sure. Did you want somebody to come out to the house in South Dock or did you want to go in there? No, I wanted to go in. Like when I rang first, the first thing I said to the receptionist was, are you seeing patients? And she said, it's at the doctor's discretion. And I, I said, well, like I need my child to be seen. And she said, you'll have to speak to the doctor or the nurse first. Because you can't just rock into South Docks, you can't. You have to no, call you ahead to, and you like, get a number. You ring ahead, you get the, the nurse rings you back and then you get an appointment. And, and is it because off. they're chock-a-block or something? Oh Which, no, this, like, with, with COVID apparently they're just not seeing anybody. But before that it was you'd ring ahead, the nurse would ring you. So it's all telephone, nurse. it's all telephone consultation now? All, apparently so, yeah. yeah. But you're brought in at their discretion. But you got absolutely no service whatsoever. No, nothing. Like the first time I rang them when the doctor told us we don't have the facilities to deal with a baby, he sent told us go to the CUH or go to the GP in the morning and then sent us out a bill for 40 euro. Um, in you got a bill for those name. phone calls? Yeah. Um, in my daughter's name, it wasn't even addressed to me. Um, and Are you supposed that. to get a bill? Well, if you're... If you're if you don't have a medical card, you're supposed to. But I rang them because my daughter was only a few days old at that point, and I said, "Like, you know, we're waiting for her PPS number. She will have her medical card." And um, from my understanding, she was covered under me. And the girl said to me on the phone, "You shouldn't have gotten a bill at all. Um, she's a newborn baby. Um, but because you've been charged, we have to wait for her medical card to be issued before we can um, write off the bill." So. But you got a bill, nonetheless. Yeah. For being told that there's nothing we can do. Yeah. South Dock um, were contacted by this programme with regards to your uh, conversation with me there. And they uh-huh. said, Laurie's complaint rests with the doctor who has assigned her daughter's case and not South Dock. If a GP is on duty in a South Dock setting, he or she is not working on behalf of South Dock. They're working under their own practice with extended hours. Uh, the issue regarding the charging for a telephone convos, uh, consultation, if the child was registered for the free under sixes card, the consultation should be covered by the HSC. If the baby wasn't registered at the time, then a charge has to be paid. Um, mm-hmm. Well, she was registered. It was like, we you do all the registering in the hospital and things like that, you know? Yeah, well, don't, you're not going to pay that, you're not. 
No, not at all. I'm just waiting for her. Like, I've been in contact with the medical card unit. They're adding her as a dependent but on my card. Good. So. so don't pay it under any circumstances. But it's interesting that South Doc would say that it's not, your issue isn't with South Doc. Your issue is with the GP who was working in South Doc at the time. Well, I think they're just shifting liability. Like, I've, I've written an email to the HSC complaining, like, you know, like they're working in South Dock. They're not working out their own GP practice. Did you find so, the whole? Did you find the whole episode very frightening? Yeah, like I was, I was absolutely stressed out of my head. I was terrified. I mean, like I'm sitting here. I'm a new mom. I'm being told, you know, you need to wait. You need to wait. So I'm sitting here waiting, looking at my child in distress, and I just don't know what to do. Because in the you old know, days, it wouldn't be phone calls. It would be physical doctors minding people. Yeah, it would be. And like as, as I said, phone calls. someone needs. Someone needs to see my child. Like, I understand COVID-19. The first thing we were asked for, have we been in contact with any confirmed cases? No, I understand all of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was none of that. So, like, I just don't understand why they're, they're not seeing people. Like, my own friend was in contact with them and they asked her to send um, pictures of her daughter on WhatsApp. You know, like, it's just it's just laziness at this point. But like, there's not, there isn't even video consultations, is there not? No, apparently not. They just ring you. Um, and yeah, but when they ring you, would they would they say, "Okay, let's do a WhatsApp call so I can see the child"? No, no, that, not. that would be a sensible thing to do, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, depending on circumstances, it would be. But like in a case of my daughter, like her chest needed to be listened to, they needed to check her airways and things like that. So that wouldn't have done. But like even my GP said, you know, like they they could have seen her and she would have been home and all. Like in the time it took for. South Dock to not contact us contact us back like I had to ring them to say we're going to the hospital I was in and out of the hospital in two hours so like it would have all been dealt with if South Dock had just done their job Yeah so what would your advice be to say young parents in a similar situation get in the car and go to the hospital or, or what? I'd go straight to the hospital okay. Okay. like honestly I wouldn't waste my time with South Dock anymore because if it was a case of my child did turn blue what do I do then? Do you know what? I have to sit and wait for an ambulance while she's suffocating and what she could end up dying. Oh, we, we could be discussing a tragedy. Yeah. Do you know? Like, yeah. it's just, it's not okay. Like, it's the, the question is are her lips blue? What colour is her face? What? So I have to wait for my child to turn blue before something will be done. You know, oh. it's just. Sound okay, like. okay, well, it's good to share that conversation so that others are aware should the situation or the scenario occur. But thank you for that, Laurie. All well now with the little girl? Yeah, she's fine. All right, okay. Thanks for taking the call. No problem. Thanks a million. Don't pay that bill. She won't. Oh, no, not at all. all right, take care. <laughs> Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. All right, text 0868104106. Could I just see those texts that we were talking earlier on this morning about my jaunt around the city and up around the college road and I was asking people, encouraging people if they did see uh, or hear. Oh, incidentally, can I also say that an awful lot of communions have been moved up uh, to today and tomorrow just on the... Uh, you know, just to, as a precautionary measure so that the communions can happen because if things change on Friday, a lot of it will be cancelled. So um, just keep an eye out and see if there's any marquees going up today or tomorrow, guys, and do let me know. Text 0868104106. Okay, I'm not seeing those texts. I'll see them before midday. Sinead, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, you just wanted to pick up on one of the points there regarding uh, newborn babies leaving yeah. hospital, is it? Yeah, so like um, I had a baby there in May and um, when we were leaving the hospital... They came into uh, the nurses on the ward, gave us a little business card um, and it had the number of the ward that we were in and it had the A&E number. Now, I don't know whether that was the A&E in the 
CUMH or the main A&E. Yes. Um, but it was like, if you have any problems, give us a ring on this number. Um, so, like, we were to call them directly if there was any problems with the baby when we went home. Well, I don't know and, whether she got a number like that. I wasn't aware yeah. of that number. If, if, if Yeah, and like that, I think that's If she'd been given it, it, she'd have called it, though, wouldn't she? Yeah, I was. I, I'd imagine so, because this is, like, he was, our, that was my fourth baby, and when I had my first baby, she was like, you're clueless. Totally. And, yeah. um... I did have concerns that time and I remember having that number as well and I rang the ward um, one one night and they answered me and told me what to do and whatever. So like they Imagine how it would be with way. the first baby because you correctly said clueless. You really have no idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you like, worry yeah, about the had, smallest thing. Yeah, and they had given me that number and like my first baby would have been, oh, she was, um, she was deadly really. She was um, reflux and the whole lot. And she did stop breathing one day and it was just a matter of ringing them. We're on the way and we went straight away with her to the A&E. Um, there was no South Dock or no doctors or anything like that. But that's the way it used to be. I mean, maybe situations, yeah. certainly situations with regarding South Dock are very different now in the times that we're living in now. But as, as a new mum, you know, yeah. And all, yeah. you know, like she's just, just yeah, going on gut instinct here. She's a child wheezing, gasping, yeah. screaming in discomfort, clearly struggling, and she's waiting yeah. for phone calls. Yeah, no, I just like I just I know that I had that number and I had it up on the windowsill in case. In case, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we were we were all given that little number in an envelope with all different information, and there was that little business card, and she said if you had any concerns, to ring the ward and speak to a midwife or you know Got so. it. thank you for that appreciate it. thanks yeah. for the update thank you Sinead Christine good morning yesterday I was talking about um, newborn babies getting checkups isn't that right Christine and uh, that's, that's right maybe yeah. and that well, prompted your that. response to that those texts from yesterday yeah yeah, yeah. My daughter had a baby. That was me. I sent him an email yesterday, and my daughter had a baby two weeks ago. Okay. And she had the baby on Monday. Came home on Tuesday, and the community nurse called on Wednesday to check the baby. Thank God, everything was fine. And the community nurse said, "You know, you need to have the baby checked at two weeks by your GP, and again at six weeks." And my daughter said, "Yeah, this is her third baby," so she knew the setup. So she rang her GP last Friday. The baby why do you need? Last- why does the just I'm just curious. Why does a baby need to be checked at two weeks and and six weeks? That that no, I don't know. I suppose just to make sure everything's okay with the baby, that everything's progressing the way it should. Catch it early, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and if there's any problems, then the GP would refer you to a specialist where a nurse can do that. You know. Okay. But um, so she rang the surgery on Friday, and the receptionist told her that the the the, the doctor is not doing those anymore. And he's not doing the, the six-week checkup. She'll have to wait at least eight weeks before the doctor will see him for his first injection. No, I think that's an absolute disgrace. First of all, the, the GPs aren't being paid. They get paid for, you know, when a woman becomes pregnant, they get paid for so many visits. Free visits. You no, know, the woman gets free visits yeah. when she's pregnant. Yeah. So the GP are actually being paid already for these visits. And yet they're, they're, not, they're not going to see them. I think it's an absolute disgrace. No, thank God the baby's fine. My daughter's why okay. Don't, why isn't it you know? a revisit to the CUMH, though, at two weeks and a revisit to the CUMH at six weeks? Why, why wouldn't it well, well, that make more sense? 
It probably would, but I suppose it depends where you're living. I mean, there was a lady in the ward with my daughter. She was coming. She was living abandoned. That answers my question. Yeah. yeah, Have a listen to this. In response to the lady regarding her two-week checkup, I'm outraged to hear that her GP won't see her for eight weeks. I work for a GP, and I can tell you that this is not common practice. Usually, there is a two-week checkup for a baby and a six-week checkup for the mother and baby. It's not eight weeks, as your caller said. Both of these appointments are equally important. Each GP surgery has their own protocols regarding COVID-19, but most of them are seeing two-week checkup mums and babies. Um, oh, I think it's a I, I must be honest, it's just the surgery. And here's the, way, here's the way it works. The, the protocol is generally a phone call to the mother while she's outside the GP's practice in the car with the baby. Then they're invited in at the appropriate time uh, where the baby is weighed and checked. This woman should change her GP if this is the case. Um, yeah. The two-week checkup, and this answers another question, the two-week checkup is very important with women who've just given birth. Mm-hmm. We are vulnerable and worried about our babies yeah. throughout the pandemic, let alone having to deal with our trusted GP not yeah. wanting to see us. Yeah. And funny enough, so they, her, her community nurse rang her on Tuesday to see how she got on with, the, with her GP. And when my doctor told her that she, the doctor wouldn't see her, she was absolutely shocked. So in fairness to the community nurse, she made an appointment to see my, doc, my daughter and the baby tomorrow. And why do you think so, doctors are knocking it back to eight weeks? I, I, unless it's just the surgery. That's only because when, when she was eight months pregnant, when she needed to go and get her blood and urine checked, the, the receptionist told her that they weren't doing that either. Am is I it happening in all surgeries, though, or is it just the one or two row ones? I don't know. She goes to the same surgery that I do, and thank God I don't go to. I don't go there too often. But like to be told that they're not doing checks for for pregnant women either. And next she got on to the nurse, and the nurse turned around, and the nurse said, "Of course we're doing that." She says, "Come up to me," and the nurse checked her. But yet the receptionist told her that they weren't doing it. Oh, for God's sake! Okay, you know, it's all a right. joke, an okay. absolute joke. I must Is it say. another one, just before I let you go, you need to read this out, Neil, that for the first six weeks of baby's life, baby is covered in the COMH. I'm a midwife, both the mum and baby are covered for the first six weeks by the COMH. Any concerns, contact the COMH emergency room. Now, that hasn't anything to do with the two and the six week now, but that's just for... No, but that's just, that was just the norm. That was always the norm when you have a baby, you go for the two week and the six week checkup. That was just the norm, do you know what I mean? But like, I mean, thank God, as far as you know, the baby's okay. But when they're so young, it's hard to know if there's anything wrong unless the doctor checks them over properly. Do you know what I mean? I know, right. I know. But anyway, no, thank God, nothing wrong. Well, as far as you know, thank God, he's fine. You know, she's okay herself. You know, but if there was something wrong, would she, would she get an appointment? I don't know. We she have to wait on the time? But if there was something wrong, she wouldn't know there was something wrong, maybe. But that's, yeah, yeah. you know. That's so important, you know, know and it's crazy, absolutely crazy. All right, thanks, Christine. Thank you so much. Text 0868104106. Listen to your show this morning, and rather than shout at the radio, I've decided to email you instead. I don't understand how some people fail to take on board the severity of the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, A couple of points I would like to make are, one, our government representatives, much the same as all governments worldwide, are not experts on this virus. Uh, They are taking advice and following guidelines and hoping, like the rest of the world, that these guidelines will be enough to control the spread of the virus in our communities. Two, shops, pubs, restaurants, schools, hotels, taxis, buses have all invested in equipment for their businesses adequately to ensure a safe environment. All we, the public, are being asked to do is follow the guidelines. If we do, these businesses can stay open. If we don't, they can't. If we do, jobs won't be lost. There can still be a new normal albeit a different one. 
For those who say that the only people dying are people with underlying conditions, what does it matter if they have underlying conditions? Does that, are you suggesting? Well, Noel was saying earlier on that people will die. Uh, Does that make them expendable? These are people who may have lived on for years, sharing family time and enjoying life. If there's any chance that we can save a life, why not do it? We can all be heroes in our own small way. It's simple. We just need to follow the guidelines, says Christine. Uh, that's just following up on a conversation earlier on with uh, with Noel. Let me just let me just stay with my conversation earlier on with Noel. Uh, Tony, good morning. Good morning, uh, Neil or Niall, my friend. How are you? Are you happy? Very happy. Happy to be Thank alive. You. Happy to be working. Well, happy I, to I, be I happy. Know, I don't want to offend that man. Oh, I think there's about ten to eleven there. I was going along Coburg Street to pop into the funeral home. You know, right? And pay my respects, and uh, I my blood pressure shot up. I don't know who he was, though. I'm sorry, no, but I'll, I'll listen to it later on. I think it was, it was a height of ignorance, arrogance. I mean, oh, excuse the language. Oh, sake, tonight the students are getting all the blame. Okay, a lot of the students have house parties and all this, and they'll bring it back to their parents and their grandparents. But, like, to be out in fucking Malaga, is it? He was in Malaga and Alicante. Oh, Alicante, sorry. Yeah. And, like, I mean, in all fairness, like, I wouldn't go on my families at the moment. My friends, they don't, we don't go at the moment. We, we had to cancel some holidays. I mean, would he ever take he kind of, He kind of did restrict his movements afterwards. Far from me to be defending him, but he said that he One just went, no, he just went to get his no. shopping and went home and he was wearing masks and sanitizing his hands. One second, oh, my friend. I, I, I tell him, by the match, anyway, matches are grand. Let me, they're out in the open. But that virus is not going to go away. I mean, is he, I don't know what education he had now, but there's fellas like him. I mean, you you know, you have to you have to take your head out of sand, you know? I think there's a height of hand and people ring in, you are texting and show up with a man again. But, and that's, that's bad news. I mean, he has... He has his opinion, he should keep it to himself. The but he's talking about the economic consequences of it, the tsunami of debt that will befall families, the loss of jobs, the closing of businesses. Yeah, exactly. No, but like, and that that a better way would be to keep everybody that's ill, elderly, underlying health conditions, keep them safe and away from everybody else and the rest of us can get on with our lives. I mean, that's what he's saying. Oh no, I mean that's bullshit like <laughs> because I mean excuse the language now. You, you go to mass, you eat a small funeral, small this we have to be realistic. I mean, what was I gonna say? We have you don't have to wear a mask all the time, maybe. Like for example, we can't bear our head in the sand. We have to be realistic. You know, we have to uh, you know, follow the guidelines and I mean it's not gonna go away and if it creeps up again we're going to be in the height of trouble. Mm. If it, creep, I mean, if it creeps you know, up again, we'll be in the height of trouble because well, you, Neil, no, look, the if hospitals... We do, if we all said the rosary, no, we wouldn't have any pandemic. I'm telling you, we're a pagan country, no. If we said the rosary? We were a pagan country, no. God is in control. How do you mean? He's in control of the virus. I won't look. If you want to tell him to read a book, though, The First Factor, A Fool's Guide to Reality by Jimmy Clare, or I have different books here. I mean, I know that he might be reading the dandy or the bean. Away, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, no, he's not. No more so than any of the rest of us. No more so than any of the rest of us. He's entitled to an opinion, but the opinion needs to be challenged. That's all. Well, of course it does. I left school at 14, for God's sake. I was 62. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't get a trade. You know, uh, you know, we didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. But I mean, for fuck's sake, can I excuse the language? No, I believe him. You're, bar- you're as bad as Barney the dinosaur this morning, pal. You're right, you're right, but I mean, I don't care. I, 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 I mean, but, I think it's very annoying. 
But how how would re, how would saying the rosary and no disrespect to those that do keep people safe from coronavirus? Well, look one second. Real, real, you're a learned man, aren't you? No more so than the next fella. That's all. Yeah, you went through college. I no, I never, I never went to college. Never went the to college. before I went into my. <laughs> I never. Anyway, I tell you how. You, don't, you can't get you can't get common sense though in UCC. I mean, you just common, get that. Yeah, you get that from life. Common sense, and when they when they go, common sense isn't so fucking common. But how how do? <laughs> Right. <laughs> when I tell you, when I tell you, this country by is a is a I'm not being all very negative, no. But we were there, we were the Ireland states of scholars one time, yeah. And yeah. then of course the creative fire the, the, the referendum, hundreds of thousands mass take your rosaries off our ovaries. They're in terms. I mean, they're not famous, uh, Neil. Like, oh, they'll be hop the phones, will be hopping on a minute. But I'm just saying, look, I know Holy Joe, but I tell you this much, only the yeah, sorry, going back to uh, Lourdes, uh, going back to Fatima, yeah. 70,000 saw, people saw the miracle of the sun. But they don't print that like. Yeah, I, I, that, well, well, I mean, there could have been an eclipse. I don't know, it could have been. Ah, uh, bullshit. Was it? And there's worse to come in telling you know, they'll probably call me a cuckoo one in that case. No, 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 no. I mean, you have, you're, like, don't let anybody ever give you a hard time for having a, having faith. Because they do. I was inside, no, they was inside, them. loads of people know me now through my, anyway, I was inside there the, 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 during the referendum in the market and I had no up. I had no up, you know, no one, and I walked around and I, and I didn't give a fiddle of fact. You know what people thought of me? What were you doing in the market? Were you... Um... I was around uh, while the referendum was on there. I was uh, just passing through and I had a couple of no the abor- Was it the abortion referendum? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, the right to life. The right to life, yeah. Do you know Do you know that the HSE have paid out nearly three million already in, in, in fees and uh, to, to GPs that have performed abortions here? And now we got on to talking about abortion. You clearly voted no anyway. I clearly voted no, yeah. and I would like to be facing God if I voted yes. Don't be Hal Martin did a fucking referendum. If sorry, he did a he did a, a U-turn. Yeah, well, there's politicians oh, for well, you. He yeah. did. Well, I just say, look, Neil, look, we're look, a pagan, we're tonight. a pagan, we're a pagan country, and saying the rosary is something that should be brought back into every family home. Is it exactly, exactly? And they can laugh or do what they like. I mean, there is a God there. And uh, we will be judged. And anyone that thinks there's no hell of the devil, why fuck? They'll never think about it again. <laughs> you'll never get into you'll never get into heaven with language like that. A quick joke, a quick joke. No, but like Saint Peter will never let you in. That you'll have a conversation yeah, with you at the gate. I keep him in it. What? Can I tell you a quick joke? Yeah. I only heard it lately. No, I might have heard the proper version. But this friend of mine said, uh, "Treat, treat Paddy there some Paddy. You can tell his bishop now." Paddy the Irishman, Paddy the Englishman, Paddy the Scotchman went up to the Pearly Gates. Yeah. And St. Peter said, hold it. Paddy the Scotchman first. What, yeah, 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 go on, you're, you're okay. No, can I make a call? I, I have no phone. Can I make a call? Where to? He was Paddy the Scotchman, but to Scotland. Okay, he says. He was on the half an hour. How much? He said, ring home now. He said, and get a, get, get thousand stopped on your account. Paddy the Englishman went up. Uh, yeah, you're, you're okay too. You've been... Sh- Anyway, he says, can I make a call? Yeah, to the UK, grand. Two hours. Next he gave her, he, he charged him 10,000. Paddy the Irishman went up anyway. And he says to him, where are you from? Ireland. Look, he says, you can see on the town, you like. He says, give me a fiver. Because he says, 
well, it said no because of uh, Michal Merkel. We say because of the because of Michal Merkel and the rest of the and previous governments. He said the, 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 the what was it? The country is the country. Ireland is a, is a, is, a, is going to hell, and you're going with them. <laughs> do you do you you know when you die, right? Yeah. Is it your belief that you will go up to heaven and there will be gates and Peter will be? I hate to not believe well, it. Nobody no, but gates, so. Well, forget about the gates. But you. What? I thought I know they're all slate in the Catholic Church. It's about time Joe Duffy, uh, Tommy Cairn, it's about time now they, and people are afraid to talk up. Even bishops and priests, I know no abuse, but they weren't all at us. And they tell you something now before you go. Father Brennan Smith could be in heaven. Hitler could be in heaven. Judas, how do you know? If they repented. Well, no, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> but would it be fair for them to be in heaven even if they repented? Course, like, you could all repent on your deathbed, no, like, no, but that's like a get-out of, that's a get-out of hell card. God is always merciful. He's always merciful. But so why should we have to behave ourselves on earth if we can repent at the last minute? Ah, uh, go away, you muppet. <laughs> we, we don't know where we we're going to go. Oh, we have to have your, you have to, uh, Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus. Tomorrow, man, never me mind. Hold on a second there, Holly. We've only today, that's all. Holly, did you, know, yeah. did you want to just pick up with Tony? Who's that? I want to, I want to know why you gave that Egypt so much time on your radio show. Because, because he's a, lo- because he's a lovely... Language, f- no, no, wait a second. second please. He's, he's a lovely fella. He's a lovely fella that has a, a kind of a salty <laughs> tongue in him. A very, very salty tongue. And you know something, Neil? He's suffering from a multitude of disarranged ideas. Oh, who's that? A decade ago, he was going to cure COVID. Where's he coming from? I want to take your head Where's he coming from? Yeah, listen, you're an Egypt boy. And your language is atrocious. Especially for people listening to this fantastic program that's on every morning for three hours, and you come along and you try and upset it with your language. Ah, we get over. Ah, Holly, we get over the odd. We get over the odd F word. We will, like. We won't get over the. But you wait. You're not giving him too much time already. Well, I mean, he's suffering from a he's suffering from a multitude of disarranged ideas. This yeah, is going to cure the COVID. All right, let, let him respond. Let him let him respond. Hang on, Tony, because all we're doing is shouting at each other. It's a bit like Go Trump on. and Biden. Tony, Go on. <laughs> nothing to say. <laughs> Tony, are you still there? I am. All right. Okay. Did you want to respond to what Holly has to say? You're deluded with your ideas, and you curse too much. Huh? Who was speaking? That man, is it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't want to offend him, no, but I don't know. Has he any qualifications? Uh, where did he get it all? I mean, all you have to do is read the false factor there uh, by Jimmy Clare. What? You know, the false factor is the name of it by Jimmy Clare. A, a fool's guide to reality. Okay, but but I will read it. But um, uh, I, read it, please. I, 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 how long is it? A big book. There's about 800 pages. Oh, Jesus, forget about oh, come it. Come on, you can read, you can read it. A book, with, are, any, are there any pictures in it? Yeah, there's a pile of information. And another book is the Illumination of uh, Conscience. You never heard of that either, did you? <laughs> You're a learned man. You're a well-read man. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be, the family know if they, if they were listening to this, I'd be sure I don't bring up religion anymore because, I mean, you know, we, we are entitled to our views. But as I say, look... Even the fucking, even the Indians believed it. Even the Indians believed it. All right, all right, all right. They believed in the great white spirit in the sky. 
that's and you're totally entitled to believe in whatever you want to believe in. And Holly, he is entitled to. He may exactly. He is. Listen, listen, Neil. I can't get bored in. Listen. His tongue is disgusting. All right. For a man of his age, he should be thinking about the people that are listening to this fabulous radio show. I'm not, I'm not, be, not, not be dropping the f bombs. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, chaps. Okay. What you say, Tony? He raised my blood pressure. Well, I don't want, I don't want to be giving your heart attack or a stroke. He's an idiot. You're an idiot. You're a muppet. That's better than Trump and Biden, I believe. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. All right, just very, very quickly. I don't have any time to um, to intro this, so just go straight to John, if you don't mind. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Fair play to you. i got about two and a half minutes. Your mother-in-law is down in Argos. Pick up the story. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just, no, I don't know how big the queues were and stuff, but she just asked the lady what was all the queuing about, and the the, the lady just said that um, they were afraid that if the country goes into lockdown again, and um, there'll be no toys brought in for kids and whatnot, if, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of scaremongering, Neil, you know, you know, this has to stop, like, there are, people are terrified. So there are queues then because of uh, a possible economic crash and a lack of products coming into the country yeah, for Christmas, and people are getting, are panicking now, is it? Yeah, like, I mean, the guy that was on earlier, the guy that had the scientific proof, like, he was on about looting and everything, like, like, people, people, people are doing their head in. Like, I listen to the radio station every morning, and I close in my two-pence worth every now and again. Good man, thank you. But, but, but listening, listening to it the last few mornings, I mean, people are sick to death of this COVID, and now the words looting and... You know, panic buying again because of fear of lockdown at the weekend. And if businesses are locked or closed again, they they won't bring in stock for Christmas and all this. Like, and people are panicking now again. Like, and do you think that it could lead to disorder? Let me put it like that: public disorder. I I I I I do I do I believe it will it will because people will look out for their children. You know, and the bottom line is Christmas is what. But they're hardly they're hardly going to break into places or smash windows to take things like, are they? I don't know. Do you know? I I, I don't know what a human being is capable of anymore. To be honest, because this thing, people are losing their mind slowly. Okay, so panic buying going on then. um, Queues outside. People afraid that there'll be nothing left for Christmas, and uh, that uh, you know, if there's if there's a lot. Anyway, guys, I saw an ad yesterday for people who wanted to pre-order the PlayStation Five. Thank you for reserving your place in the queue for the PlayStation Five. We know you want you want to get your hands on the console as soon as possible, but unfortunately, due to circumstances out of our control, we are now confirming that you won't be able to get your order fulfilled until 2021. That kind of thing. Yeah, there you go. All there right. you go. Okay. There'll be thousands of households around around the uh, around Cork over the next few weeks will be panicking because of their children and Christmas. Okay, I'll you pick know? up on this tomorrow. Thanks, John. Do appreciate taking the call. No Cheers, bother. my friend. Okay. Take care. God bless. Take care. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Particularly with that aspect, are you worried? Are you maybe a little bit anxious about? Uh, you know, Christmas shopping or getting things done. Perhaps you've started already. Will you be ordering online? Like, for instance, will people be buying gift vouchers this Christmas time and the knowledge that maybe the company you get the gift voucher from may not be there in 2021? Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.